Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashef and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Here we are for in the studio for another fine episode of uh, Can You Brew It? I'm here with uh, my, uh, I don't want to say, loyal companion and sidekick. Trusty uh, companion? Trusty companion. Um, uh, my buddy. I'm the guy that and, shows up. And uh, co-host, the guy that shows up, Mr. Tasty McDole. It's a pleasure to be here. Believe me, I have nothing else to do right now. Right, uh, neither do I. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that's pretty much. Yeah, what, uh, well, you're unemployed, aren't you? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. I'm gainfully unemployed. So, what do you do? Like fish he pref- a lot? He or? prefers to use the word retired. Retired. Oh, retired. oh well, <laughs> then unemployed. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm just uh, you know I'm, I'm working on things. things um, anything you talk about, or uh, it's all top secret. Uh, Mostly you know, top secret. Uh, I get you. Well, yeah, if you th- some so- software stuff that we're doing that oh, uh, is nice. beer related, and then oh, uh, cool. we've got some. Uh, and the funny thing is, <laughs> I uh, uh, somebody was emailing me. I, you know, a couple of people emailed me. They go, oh, I hear you're uh, making some brewing software. I'm like, well, well you what? posted an opening for uh, what, uh, some sort of program. No, that was, this was before that. So oh, I figured, oh, what, what the heck? I'll just cats go out of the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my guy in uh, the Netherlands. Uh, He's tied up on another project, but uh, I was going to go with people I've I've worked with for years. Sure, yeah, no entities. Yeah. And uh, but uh, no, we're going to try somebody else uh, out new on the uh, on the iPhone uh, platform, and I, I might be looking for an Android programmer as well. Oh wow! Uh, made some good progress on uh, Win Mobile stuff today. So hmm. uh, yeah, we're going to have some fun. So have some fun with some software that uh, hopefully people will find enjoyable. I love it. Apps are the future. That's right. They are. Everyone will just for, laptops will be a thing of the past in no time. Everybody will be staring at their phone. Yeah, yeah. all day long. Everyone will be sully in no time. Just walking around staring at their, their phone. Their heads what? will get bigger. <laughs> yeah, walking around looking at that. Nobody phone. said it'd be that bad. <laughs> he doesn't listen to the show, does he? No, he does. It'd be cool to have brewing apps on your phone. What a great idea, Jamil. Right, right, right. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, we're going to be. Uh, Heading out to Milwaukee, uh, Justin and I for uh, our sponsor is opening a new store. Yeah. How about that? Nice and it, big and one. from wow. the yeah, the description of it, <laughs> superstore. <laughs> it's, it's like like a Costco. It's like a like a oh, uh, you know a uh, super Walmart or something the size of this thing. That's what we need is a big box homebrew store. Right. I think I think they're going to be selling cars there. Even you know it's yeah. you know groceries on one end, cars on the other, and all your homebrew supplies in between. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I think Justin is too, and we're going to go out there and uh, 
who are going to be at the uh, Milwaukee store this coming weekend. It's, um, ooh, what? Uh, we get there Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, get there Thursday. So I'm going to be up for a beer Thursday night if anybody's in the area. Well, in case anybody up, happens yeah. to live in, around Milwaukee and want a beer Thursday night. I'll, I've already gotten emails from listeners uh, who, who are either in the area or going to come up for the mm-hmm. area. So I'll I'll pass some along to you. Make oh, sure. Oh, all right. Uh, so so yeah. they want a beer with you. They don't want a beer with me, clearly. <laughs> Okay, uh, no, that's no. fine. I'll drink alone. <laughs> I think All they by just, myself. They're trying to make me feel good because I'm going on this trip with you, but I'm really I'm not doing anything. Jamil's going to do. He's doing a book signing. He's uh, you're you're going to do a, a a brewing demonstration on Friday, and and then of course we're doing your show on Sunday or Saturday rather. All right. Uh, I'm just going to hang around and shake hands and drink beer, really. So I think they felt bad for me, and they're like, "Hey, Joe, well, we like you too." You'll you'll do what you normally do during the show, which <laughs> yeah. is hang out and drink some beer. Yeah. Shake hands and drink beer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Is that what you're doing behind the console there? Shaking your hand? That's yes. what I'm doing, yeah. Oh. I saw the movement, but I wasn't sure what exactly it was. <laughs> but please do come out and see us because, yeah. you know, we don't make it to uh, the middle of the country very often. Right, right, right. Um, so. I'm not flying all that way <laughs> and then having you guys not show up. Yeah. You know, you got to come out. I want to see you guys. I want to say hi. I want to, you know, meet you guys. And, you know, we, we exchange a lot of emails. Uh, you know, we all help each other out on email, but uh, it's nice to do it face by face. So, yeah. uh, please come out and uh, you know, change your plans. Uh, you know, uh, you're you know, the dog's sick, the wife's having the kid, the friend's in from out of town, car ran out of gas, and you have a flat tire. I don't care. Yeah, get yourself out there at least one of the uh, the days and uh, come say hi, and uh, we'll we'll share a beer and have a good time. It's really my favorite part of the job. So yeah, please yeah. do come shake yeah. hands. Well, and it's really nice of uh, Northern Brewer to, to to bring us out there. They have been uh, supporting us for the three plus years. This show's been on through yeah. three, almost coming up on four years for this show. Yeah, wow. And they don't even care all the nutty things you say. They, <laughs> they never, must not be listening. They never write us a, a letter saying, "Hey, could uh, you tone it down?" At some point, they're going to be like, <laughs> "Yeah, I always wondered if they listened." You know. <laughs> Yeah. Do you listen to the show? Yeah, you're still writing the checks. Wow, that's, that's amazing. It is amazing. I think the the people who listen and the people who write the checks probably two different people. Yeah, could you be. Know, that's, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I think so. You know, even if you can't make it out, make sure you at least get yourself over to their website. Get yourself over to northernbrewer.com and browse through. they got a lot of great stuff, and they have seven ninety nine shipping on, like, most everything for, like, ridiculously heavy things. Um, so you can buy a, a ton of stuff, and it's still just 8 bucks for shipping. And, uh, you know, great service, great price, great great products. And at the very least, let them know that you appreciate that they support the show. Very important because uh, – that's what you know keeps the sponsors coming back when they feel like they're getting their their money's worth because uh, they got a business to run too. And uh, gonna head out to Melbourne uh, in May. You are now. You it's it's For official. The, it's official. All right. I, I've I've uh, I've got a ticket. I've got uh, I've I've taken money. So now I'm stuck. I'm going. <laughs> well, they wouldn't <laughs> accept me. Chad or Tasty? They said. They said the brewing what? They needed somebody known. Brewcasters. <laughs> yeah, somebody who's popular. So now Jamil's going. Right. It's fun. Yeah. It must. Good must, for you. Yeah, I don't know. You well, I'm gonna. A... I'm gonna swing by uh, New Zealand on the way. Are you? I'll swing by. Yeah, that's yeah. just my yeah. <laughs> Swing by. It's a cab ride. Yeah. You know. I always go to England on the way. Just turn the wheel a little to the left as you're heading yeah. down that way, and uh, the plane ends up in uh, Auckland. Yeah. 
And I'll be in well, Auckland for a couple of days, and uh, all listeners are going to come out. A couple of people uh, I post on Facebook. Good. So, uh, yeah, if you're on Facebook, you know, come and find uh, Tasty McDole, find Justin, find myself, find uh, John Palmer. All the folks uh, were on uh, on Facebook, and uh, befriend us. That's right. You won't get rejected. Don't worry. I'm going to make you wear a T-shirt in Australia that says, The Brewing Network Made Me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get the word out over there. And, and what, people, people will come up to me and say, what did they make you do? <laughs> yeah, probably something <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. What did they make you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, so, uh, yeah, there's people that are, are going to arrange something. So there's a get-together of, uh, what is it, Soma or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure, but. Uh, well, as it gets nearer, we'll be posting that information. Same thing for uh, Milwaukee. Uh, you know, get on Facebook and uh, you know, check that out, and Twitter, and we'll be uh, posting where we're at and yeah, uh, where we're drinking. So yeah, we don't mind uh, meeting up with the with the with the. Uh, no, that's the point. It's- Certainly, even if it doesn't happen Thursday night, Friday night, yeah. I think the deal is after we do our Northern Brewer stuff, we will be going out in yep. the Milwaukee yep. area, yep. and we'll tweet it on the Brewing Network uh, uh, Twitter mm-hmm. every everywhere we go, yep. so yep. you can come meet us. Um, I don't know what's happening Saturday, other than we'll be at Northern Brewer. But, uh, yeah, you, you got to get yourselves down to Northern Brewer. If you're in that area, make sure you do. Well, and uh, we have here in the studio with us uh, my good uh, dear friend and dear friend of the Brewing Network and uh, many home brewers is uh, the homebrew chef, uh, Sean Paxton. Howdy. <laughs> How you doing there, uh Hexy, doing Paxman. good. Doing very good. Yeah, I emailed Paxman today. I thought that was uh, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the yeast, or <laughs> yeah, you should have. Well, you could have your own yeast, the Paxman. The Pax it's Man out there. Yeast, yeah. Or isn't yeah, Justin it's a has Pac-Man a yeast? Now it's, it's Pacman. It's yeah. the crotch man for Justin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the crotch man. It won't help your beer any, but uh, yeah, the Paxman. That would yeah. be kind of interesting, actually. Hmm. <laughs> Pax right. did a show with us just yesterday, too. He's pulling a Jameel now. I got him on all sorts of Brewing Network shows. <laughs> Doing the back-to-back. Yeah, he did crazy. the Sunday show with us from Downtown Joe's, which you can download oh, wow. now. Yeah, did a great yeah. beer and food episode. And now we got him in here doing Can You Brew It. i tell you. I get around. <laughs> That's what we've heard. <laughs> you know, especially in the, the bathroom at the Toronado. It's written on the wall. <laughs> it they told me they repainted that. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> repainted with urine, I think. Oh, yeah. Ooh, Actually, yeah. I brought in some Tornado Bar cookies. Oh. Ah. <laughs> Is it something I could eat and still be able to drive after I... <laughs> Almost. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. We just have too much fun. Well, and uh, speaking of too much fun, we've got another challenge to uh, live up to, right? And... Uh, What's our challenge for today, Justin? All right, we had a call-in challenge, so here you go, fellas. It's a tough one. Hey, guys, this is Brandon from Nashville. Um, I was calling in. I've always been fascinated by Dogfish Head's 120-minute IPA and their ability to brew this. It seems like there's a lot that could go wrong with that um, really fast, so their whole technique and the beer really intrigues me. Um, I get a big kick out of opening up this beer uh, for my friends. I like to keep a few vintage bottles around and uh, open them after dinner. I think it's a very good beer. So I know you guys are always up for a big challenge, so let's make some being brewing history tonight. I'm going to throw the gauntlet down for you guys. This is a huge beer that I know that has some different brewing techniques. So I'm going to ask you, can you guys brew it? Dogfish Heads 120 IPA. Thanks a lot. 
Nice. That's a good challenge. And, uh, you know, funny, we should have Paxton here because uh, uh, he's the one who brewed the beer for this. It's Odd how guy. it works out. It's like we don't know what big the guy, challenge is going to be. Yeah. But somehow it always works out that we have, like, the beer here and uh, and the brewer. And, yeah, big, big, big beer, lucky. big guy. Well, you know, the first place I had this was um, – in Chicago at the Map Room many years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, the Map Room. Yeah. I was there with a bunch of uh, my Quaff uh, brothers and sisters, and, uh, uh, you know, we uh, – I, I can't remember why, but I ended up getting a bottle of uh, Dogfish 120, and at that time, it was only in 750 mil bottles, and it had, like, a hand-drawn label <laughs> that was uh, glued on with a glue stick, and uh, – uh, you know, a 750 of this beer. That's a, that's a that's a fair <laughs> amount of alcohol. Right? Half a dozen so, people drunk. So, yeah, get we a were, straw and just. And there's uh, only like a, you know three or four of us, I guess. And we were, you know, everybody was taking small pours. And I'm like, well, you know, I paid for this bottle. I'm I'm drinking whatever's left. So I drank me a good eight ounces of uh, Dogfish 120 at that time. I think. And it's it's an interesting beer. It's um, it's obviously really big. It's got some sweetness to it, but it's also got um, you know enough dryness to keep it from being cloying. Uh, some hoppiness, you, you know. Uh, they they hop this thing for you know 120 minutes, but uh, you know the hops kind of fade or you know they're they're kind of uh, you know set into the background a bit by lots of malt and uh, you know alcohol and a lot of other things going on. So it ends up uh, surprisingly balanced. I, and I think that was the thing that shocked me the most the first time I had this was, wow, that's really balanced for what it is. And you know what? What would you? What would you? How would you uh, describe that beer, uh, Sean? It's a hard one. I mean, it's it's almost not like beer at a certain point. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's so much more alcohol, um, even though it's so, somewhat covered up um, by the sweetness and the hoppiness. Um, it's also a very interesting beer because, you know, at twenty one percent, I mean, it's it's up there. So a right. seven fifty bottle, man, you got your money's worth on that one. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a it's a I think it's a real interesting, um, almost more like an aperitif, you know, or right. like the end of a dinner beer. Um, just like the question kind of came from to have it after dinner, and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. why I've always enjoyed it. I mean, I like a lot of big beers, and especially at the See, end. Everything's of the about dinner to you. That's that's the thing. I know it's that food. Like, thing. How you doing? He's like dinner. <laughs> uh, well, you know what I would say. You know, you're saying it, it's not. Um, you know, it's a little different than beer in a way. You know, but not so much as um, like a Sam Adams. Um, uh, Utopias. That is very little like beer. Yeah. This is more like beer than Utopias. True. Yeah. Very true. So, uh, as and, a counterpoint for people right. who might not have had Utopias. So, or <laughs> yeah. 120. So. Right, right. Uh, so, so, they only brew it a couple times a year. So, it's not like there's a whole lot always yeah, around. Yeah. So. But, uh, so I, I find that interesting. So, a little more balance, I think. And it's got some bitterness and some hops and. Uh, you know, to go along with that kind of caramelly uh, alcohol and uh, kind of uh, toffee notes and things like that that uh, come from such a big beer. Definitely. Well, uh, it's a great beer, and it's a great uh, challenge for us. I mean, it's a, it's a very tricky beer to brew, like uh, Brandon was saying. 
And uh, we'll see if uh, Paxton, it was his challenge, we'll see if he's able to live up to it. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get into kind of, uh, uh, we don't have an interview, unfortunately, but we have interviewed the brewer. Both of us have interviewed the brewer on this, so we'll we'll kind of talk about what he told us on how to brew this beer. We'll be back right after this. Hi. My roommate's gone for the weekend, and I'm wearing something flimsy. Listen, baby. I told you not to call me after 8. I gotta go. Who is that? Your girlfriend? Shut up, thug. Did you guys get the cauldron set up on the altar of my yard? If you weren't so busy getting booty calls, you'd know that. All right, I'm using the scroll of Mosier to boil the first decoction. You took too long. The color is now dark and past the point where you can still call it a pilsner. Yes, sucks. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this? Poindexter Urkel? Dude, can't you see we're in the middle of a brew session? Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. <laughs> Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you belch White Labs 833 and craft Simcoe? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Cylon Detecting Three-Hearted Ale and the collector's item Super Alt. Mine's in mint condition because it's still in the box. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. BN Army members, are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Hollertower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate chip and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a brewing network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty crack cans. Tasty crack cans. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. We're talking Dogfish 120. Uh, Tasty McDowell and myself with uh, Sean Paxton here in the in the room. Very tasty. Oh, we're having a, uh, yeah. cookie, a snack. cookie that Sean brought us. Tasty snacks. Very tasty. They are tasty snacks. Tasty always likes cookies. So yeah. Tasty likes tasty cookies. These aren't the kind that uh, mess you up, though. 
make you fat. That's it. <laughs> it messes you up in a different way. That's a different kind of messed up. Yeah, they mess you up in a more permanent way. These are we're often for. I like to leave my mark. Yeah, good job. Speaking of leaving marks, uh, you know, I was in the bathroom there, and somebody had uh, explosive diarrhea at one point there. Yeah, yeah they got to clean Chad, underneath the uh, the seat lid there every once in a while. You know, somebody somebody left their mark. All right. Uh, well, and you know, we don't have an interview on this one. And he, and here's the thing. All right, so you guys send in these requests to us. And then, you know, we do what we can to apply some muscle to the breweries and the brewers and get them to do interviews with us. Now, a lot of these guys are extremely generous, not only with their time, but their recipes and their beer. And these are some of the most wonderful people out there. And I love these guys. I mean, you uh, you know, somebody like... Uh, uh, Mitch Steele at Stone. Has that guy, could could he be any more helpful? I don't think so. <laughs> or nice. Or nice yeah. or generous. Just a wonderful, friendly person. You know, you everybody would love this guy. And, yeah. you know, so helpful with his time. You might think he might be a little arrogant, you know, after no, all that arrogant that bastard. But no, <laughs> no, 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 no. He is, he is wonderful. And there's a bunch of guys like that. But every once in a while, you know, people don't bother to respond or, you know. Secrets. You know, there's some, there's a few of them out there like, well, it's a secret. I can't uh, tell you uh, anything about our beers because they're they're perfect. And uh, if I told you anything about it, everyone else would start uh, making our beers. And yeah. It's like, yeah, sure they would. That's what they'd uh, want to be, have a duplicate of somebody else's. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, just not going <laughs> to well happen. I mean, you know, that should be like a T-shirt. The, the clone thing is really just a fan trying to love your product even more, I think. For sure, but you know the the thing being, if if you if you can send us these requests, you're gonna want to go and talk to those breweries. You know, maybe CC them on the request and say, hey, you know, I I love this beer. Uh, you know, I tell them, hey, your your fans, uh, you know, I got 50 requests for this beer. And, you know, well, you know, several of the beers that I've uh, done for this show that I wouldn't have normally you know bought, I'm right. now buying, right? Because yeah. I like the beer. Yeah, and yeah, got exactly. to try it. I was forced into it. You got so much brewing to do, anyways. You're not gonna be. <laughs> yeah, you must <laughs> brew something good. Right, right. Well, and you're gonna be buying these beers because you got other beers you got to brew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the way home brewers are. There's no way that you're gonna, you know, put the guy out of business by home brewing the beer. You got you move on to some other beer, and then right. you start, you know, buying his beer at retail. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, and also the uh, challenge. I mean, the, the the whole idea of the technique and the challenge. Uh-huh, I mean, uh-huh. that's what intrigued me about this beer particularly. Right. With but, that challenge. Uh, you know, uh, so if you want us to be able to do this, you got to go to the go to the brewers. You know, go to them face face to face if you get a chance and say, "Hey, you know, I want you guys to uh, you know get on the brewing network." Yeah, you know, get out you. there, say brewing network, get on the brewing network. How come do you're not it. on the brewing network? Get your beer out there. And I don't care what show it is, but you know, uh, go out there and hassle them a little bit. Well, don't hassle them, but you know, request nicely. You know, show your face, smile, and say, uh, you know, I want you on the Brew Network. Well, we don't have the uh, the 120 interview, but uh, I I did uh, interview uh, Andy uh, uh, Tvikram uh, back uh, some years ago. Uh, very kindly spent uh, time uh, helping me out with a recipe for a Zymergy article that I did on uh, big uh, making big beers. And, uh, Sean, you've, you've talked to Andy as well. I did. Um, it was kind of fun because I had a couple questions and wanted to kind of pick his brain a little bit more, and he was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, <clears throat> I, I believe he's no longer the, uh, the brewmaster there. I don't know exactly. Uh, but... Uh, 
back in the day he was, and he was extremely helpful. And uh, some of the things he told me, he said that, um, you know, when you're making these, uh, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, you, you can't just, uh, you know, take whatever recipe and double it and make a big beer. And I think there was a lot of interest uh, recently on the forums of, well, can I take a big beer and make a small beer out of it? You know, a session beer out of it. You can't just cut the ingredients in half and then brew it and it's going to make a good, you know, lower gravity session beer. Same thing, you can't just take, you know, a recipe and double it and a triple it and all of a sudden come out with a great, An uh, imperial you know, yeah, Kolsch. high gravity beer. <laughs> you know, it just, it just doesn't quite work out that way. Um, well, Kolsch might. I mean, that's, that's a pretty, pretty simple recipe. <laughs> Some of these others. You know, be, but it's still going to taste a tough. little bit differently. You know, with the the strength and everything else, it's mm-hmm. really going to, mm-hmm. you know, right. It'll no longer be cold. So you're going to have to make some adjustments to really no, make totally. it work out. Um, but uh, you know, they they shared with us the, the recipe, and I'm sure all you guys are uh, uh, very fond of uh, dogfish. You all know where dogfish is at, right? Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, Andy told me he said uh, uh, when they're selecting. Uh, uh, bittering hops for the big beers, they want to use uh, all lower cohumulone hop varieties uh, for a smoother bitterness. Uh, really, uh, they believe that. And uh, uh, for the Dogfish 120, they were using a mix of Simcoe, Amarillo, and Warrior, is what he told me. So, um, essentially, Andy gave me uh, this recipe. And uh, for uh, a six-gallon batch, which is uh, six gallons at the end of the boil... You're gonna have uh, five and a half gallons go from the, the kettle to the fermenter, and then you're gonna ferment that five and a half gallons. You get up with five gallons of clean beer in your keg or in your bottles. So that's why we uh, do six gallons on all the recipes for the, all the last uh, up to four years of show. <laughs> have used the same measures: seventy um, percent efficiency, Rager formula for hops, and fifty uh, percent evaporation rate, things like that. All right, so this is uh, uh, 59.4% uh, or 9.2 kilograms of uh, Pilsner malt, uh, continental, uh, uh, yeah, Pilsner malt, and then uh, uh, 1.9% or 0.3 kilograms or 300 grams of uh, an amber malt, uh, 35 love uh, uh, British amber malt, and then uh, 38.7%. Six kilograms of uh, simple table sugar, and that gets added in at another time. And in uh, imperial measure, I got uh, twenty point two eight pounds of pilsner, point sixty six pounds of uh, amber malt, and thirteen point two three pounds of cane sugar. You see how it works out so much more nicely in uh, in uh, kilograms and grams. Uh, on the hops. Uh, we've got, uh, during the boil, uh, an ounce and a half or 42 grams of uh, Amarillo pellet hops, around 10% alpha acid, uh, doing this continuous hopping method. And then we've got an ounce and a half or 42 grams of Simcoe pellet hops, 13% alpha acid, also continuous hopping. And then an ounce and a half, 42 grams of Warrior pellet hops, uh, 60% alpha acid doing this continuous hopping. And what they essentially do is, uh, Sean will go over this a little bit more in the actual brewing techniques, but they mix the hops in a container, and they're adding about 3 grams of the mixture every 3 minutes over the course of 120 minutes. And so you'd mix that up into a big, big bunch, and then 
maybe figure out, uh, you know, get yourself a little scoop that's about three grams and take a scoop and toss in every three minutes. You want to do this exactly like uh, Dogfish Head does. And then they have um, uh, about three ounces, an ounce each, or 28 grams each, of Amarillo, Simcoe, and Warrior pellets that are used in the daily dry hopping. And they, again, mix it up in a container. And then you're going to take about six grams of that, and you're going to put it in the fermenter every day. And then also um, uh, you're going to be adding some sugar as well. So they do a single infusion mash, 149 degrees Fahrenheit, 65 degrees C. And uh, uh, that's that's your, your base malt, and you'll, you'll do just the grains that way. Uh, all the sugar is added for the... Uh, uh, during the fermentation. So you start the, the fermentation. You're going to use a California ale yeast or a Y yeast 1056 or a, uh, a White Labs WOP001. Or you can use um, uh, for the, and that'll be for the initial fermentation and the following fermentation. They've got a uh, White Labs WOP0099 super high gravity ale, and you can use that for the uh, the remainder. So uh, Andy said a couple of things. Um, uh, the key to making a copy of our 120-minute IPA is to add the hop pellets continuously throughout the two-hour boil. You'll be adding more hops than you think is prudent. Uh, prudent, uh, That's that's got nothing to do with uh, <laughs> homebrewers or uh, the brewing network. Uh, start the main fermentation with the first ale yeast at 72 degrees Fahrenheit, 22 degrees 22 degrees C. Two or three days later, prepare a two-quart starter for the high-gravity ale yeast. After the main batch is fermented for several days or when about one-half of the primary fermentation is done, combine the high-gravity ale yeast starter into the main batch, feed the fermenter twice daily with dextrose that has been liquefied with the fermenting beer. So you pull some of the beer out, you mix up some some of the sugar, and um, 35 to 40% of the overall fermentables are going to come from that dextrose. You feed the sugar for approximately 7 to 14 days, and uh, length of time and the amount of alcohol depends on... Uh, you know, that, that overall problem, which is which. And uh, we have uh, come up with uh, a consensus here, I think. Uh, Tasty, what did you think? Is it cloned or not cloned? Well, I, I'm, you know, of the belief that it's not cloned, uh, mainly for the reasons that you'll point out as well, I'm sure, is that uh, a lot of residual sugar left over in uh, in Sean's beer. I can definitely, you know, sense that the, the Dogfish 120 is, is in there. Mm-hmm. It's just being a little bit uh, covered up by the uh, the uh, sweetness that's left over in the beer. The uh, the dogfish, you know, it, uh, to me, it's sort of more in the genre of of a triple IPA, whereas the you know Sean's beer is a little bit more like possibly like a barley wine kind of a kind of a flavor to it, kind of a hmm. uh, cherry you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're going with uh, not close. Yeah. All right. Justin? I'm gonna, I don't know which is which, although I would guess, similar to Tasty, my checkmark glass, which is real sweet. These have been sitting for a little while, my, my samples mm-hmm. too. No head left on that. Um, and I would call it a little barley whiny because of that sweetness. A lot of uh, Really, a lot of residual sugar left in the check. The, my glass with the check mark on it. I'm mm-hmm. going to call that. I think that's that's Paxton's. And uh, yeah, the characteristics are really similar. I can mm-hmm. see that it was. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I don't know if it's a fermentation thing that happened or what. I can see that the recipe's no, close, but I think it's not cloned either. Okay. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, well... But it's close. Yeah. yeah. Well, the profile... I don't know how to explain that right, but the profile of the two beers is very, very similar. Right. The, the, the flavors that are coming out, but just one of them is... It's coming from a lot more sweetness. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say... Um, yeah, the, the characteristics of the two are dead-on identical. I mean, those those base characteristics are the same. The things that are different for me is the dogfish is a little more carbonated, which helps dry it out a little bit uh, as well. And then the uh, the clone has a little bit more unfermented sugar in it. And the interesting thing to me is um, the clone is, I, I would say, you know, we're talking about how um, the difference between, like, Utopias and... Uh, Dogfish 120, and I would put the clone, you know, in between Dogfish 120 and Utopias. Hmm. It's kind of yeah. like right in; it's right in there, you know. And it, you know, but uh, uh, you know, it, right in between those two. So it, it adds some of that character that Utopias has. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good observation. But um, you know, otherwise, you know, very close. Uh, unfortunately, on this show, yeah. I got to call it not cloned because. Um, you know, we're sticklers for it. It's got to be where you're confused as to which one's which. You know, it's got to be that close. And uh, usually we are uh, confused. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if you really want to be sure about your utopious uh, observation, I might have a bottle kicking around here. Right, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can really right. taste it next to it. Compare. Yeah, it's just not close enough, is it? Right. Well, but again, you know, I'm not sure I would change the recipe at all. I think the recipe is spot on. It's technique. And, I mean, it's I learned technique. actually something and pretty interesting it's from this beer. It's a very tricky beer to make and have it very t- turn out yeah, the same. It's an attenuation challenge, for sure. Right, right, right. That's definitely so, what I meant about how the profile is. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting what, because, I mean, if you look at it side by side, it's almost color, identical. The color, color's the same. The, the clarity aroma. clarity's the same. It has that same... Uh, aroma in the nose. Aroma, yeah, yeah. It is a little sweet, though, I will say right. that. And the interesting thing is, flavor-wise... The hops disappear in yours, but they're because there. Of the sweetness, I think. Right, but they're there in the aroma. Yeah, and that shows that the the hops are there. It's just a bit too much sweetness is kind of covering it up. I think. No. So what would you say, Sean? You say it's cloned, or I say it's really close. Really close. I mean, I think. I mean, I agree. It is a little sweeter. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't carbonate mine at all, mm-hmm. so that probably would change with the carbonic acid a little bit. Um, when I initially brewed this, I actually did keg some up and force carbonate because that's really all you can do. Right, right. Um, and uh, I actually didn't like it as much. And actually, mm-hmm. I bl- blood off the CO2 and then just uh, bottled it in little punts, little six-ounce bottles. Yeah, if people are going to carbonate this, um, carbonate it it's tricky. gently. Yeah, I mean, it's, delicately. It's a, I mean, you're looking for and maybe... And even delicately, it actually really radically changed yeah. the flavor profile. Like a volume and a half, maybe? If that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that that that's that's about. I think what dogfish is doing in that, uh, to me, seems like you know you you know the best of both worlds. But uh, you know you got to get it to dry out too, that, and definitely. I think I think that helps because um, uh, you know that's a that's a major part of it. So, all right, so we've got the recipe now. Uh, the tricky part is all really in the fermentation, right? I mean, the the the, the standard beer itself is not that tough. Well. 
It is and it isn't, because if you're starting to think about using that much sugar in any beer, mm-hmm. um, I think it was a real interesting uh, analysis of also how clean your system is, um, as well as technique, um, because the technique in, in brewing this beer is very different than any other beer I've ever brewed, and that was kind of half the challenge, at least for me. Um, I, will, I will also say this. When I had that early bottle of Dogfish 120... It wasn't as attenuated as today's sample. Oh, it's very different, yeah. Right. When it first I, came out. It was it was sweeter yeah. and a little more syrupy. Yeah. So I you know, if if we were comparing that early bottle to yours, then I'd say it would be even one step closer. So still not cloned, but <laughs> it just means you have to brew it again. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a, a real fun beer to brew, and I actually I do encourage a lot of people to brew it. And mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed the whole process because it's not your standard brewing. I mean, you really have to plan ahead and make sure you're around, and and uh, it's like a baby. I mean, you got to change it right. every day. And yeah, so this is every day, twice a day, right? Yeah. So basically, what I did is when I brewed it, I did it a little bit different than the recipe in that um, I did a 95 degree dough in, a 122 rest, a uh-huh. 135, a 144, uh-huh. and then a 148. Mm-hmm. And why did you do that? Well, I mean, even though it's basically, you know, all Pilsner malt that supposedly is all converted um i really wanted to make sure that i got the best attenuation as possible mm-hmm. um and then just to really make sure you got as much of the grain as you possibly could because mm-hmm. you know to think about adding that that high percentage of sugar and thinking about what that's going to do to the overall flavor i wanted to get as much as i possibly could from the grains mm-hmm. and uh, when i actually brewed mine i actually doubled the recipe because i looked at a five gallon batch of this and it's like, okay, but if I do this, I really want to age this. I mm-hmm. knew that I wanted to have some of this around for a mm-hmm. very long period of time. So well, you, Now you're going to do another batch, so you'll... you'll I know, you'll, so now I'll have even extra, So because okay. I actually still have a lot of this around. <laughs> so um, Because actually what we're drinking today is actually brewed in January of 06. Mm-hmm. So it does have some age on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot of fun, too, because to really put your thought, you know, around the technique and what to do to actually create this beer, um, you know, to really use that kind of a, a mash schedule that uh, you could really extract as much as you possibly can from the grains mm-hmm. um, without getting any astringency or anything else like that. Right. And uh, to get the gravity and just to really nail it. Um, you know, the fact, too, that, you know, I knew it was going to be an all-day event. So, mm-hmm. Well, we always like to nail it. So that was the thing. So yes, we do. <laughs> when At least works. in our dreams, <laughs> right? <laughs> or on the old whatever. Uh, did, you didn't. I didn't. You have some notes here, which I've been reading, uh, Sean. Uh, you didn't mention oxygenation. I, obviously, you did. Did you like do like oxygenation like the second day, or the, I mean, the second day of the ferment? Oh or? no, actually, I did it. Um, so basically. Uh, I'll answer your question in one second. So um, first I brewed it, um, you know, and basically uh, one of the funny things that I found about brewing this beer is is that proper preparation prevents poor performance or otherwise known as the five P's really makes a big difference because you will have a very hard time peeing as you're brewing this beer. <laughs> it's it's like every three minutes you right. get a, you have to be a there timer the going time off. For, for yeah, hours, it's, yeah, it's so funny because it's like all the... Time you usually have to clean all the time that you have to do all these other things. You just, you don't have that. Maybe it's just the chef and me, but. You need a buddy. 
Uh, actually, uh, I had one. two buddies there, but even then, it you was your, your Sioux Brewer. It was a lot of extra prep actually yeah. before you even brew this beer because right. to take the hops, right. mix them all up together, and then figure out what three gram or six gram additions are. So basically, you know, I put it into forty Dixie cups. So that's every three minutes I was mm-hmm. putting it in since I didn't have a special device or what was it, it was a hot. A hockey machine that they were using originally. It's one of the early ones they used. Yeah. Uh, one of those uh, old football games where yeah, the, right. it vibrates and the little players travel oh, around. Oh, they, yeah, they, they put that on there and it all vibrated the the hops in. Uh, but then the steam from the kettle kind of killed it. So yeah. they've, they've uh, since modified Sir so, Hops a lot or whatever they called it. Yeah. So since I didn't have a Sir Hops a lot, um, I looked at it as a slave like, okay. labor. Yeah, exactly. So. Every two minutes was a little bit much, um, but I felt every three minutes would be fine, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, uh, 40 hop additions in any beer, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. going to, you mm-hmm. know, versus 60 versus 80, you know, it's like, okay, right. I'm pretty happy with 40. So uh, so what I did, basically, once it came up to boil, um, started a timer for 120 minutes, and then I had one going every three minutes, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's hard to get a lot done. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And so, you know, you don't add any of the sugar to the boil at all. Um, And uh, basically, you know, every three minutes you're popping that in. Um, Once that was done, turned off the heat, uh, chilled it down with my plate chiller um, into my conical. And at that point, once I'd collected all the wort, uh, I took off about, what was it, um, about two quarts uh, of the wort um, and oxygenated that separately. And that's actually what I did as the starter for the high gravity yeast. Mm-hmm. And so that way I'm not mixing anything, I'm not adding anything different. Mm-hmm. Kept it really clean that way. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I oxygenated it um, very heavy. Um, a lot heavier than I normally would have. So about the longer, longer, what, was, what was that second. starting gravity of the, of the grain? Uh, I want to say it was... Uh, actually, that I didn't Itself. write down. It was around one... Uh, 1.1... 1.1 one three one point one four mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. um I mean it was definitely like a barley wine esque right. at that point right um but uh I basically oxygenated it twice a day for the first five days five days okay wow. so to really give it as much as possible and actually I used uh, extra yeast nutrients as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um just to really make sure they had enough zinc and everything mm-hmm. else to really make sure that that right. yeast was really healthy mm-hmm. and actually I did a starter where I took just a vial, but uh, the, the 1056, and actually I bumped that up for about four days. So, I mean, I mm-hmm. had a big slurry. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Pitched that in once the beer was chilled, and then I had um, Ziploc bags where basically I put 12 Wrong ounces sugar. of sugar in each one, which mm-hmm. equals 22 pounds of dextrose. And so this is also where it's interesting, too, mm-hmm. is because if you were to use sugar versus mm-hmm. dextrose, that right. was a whole issue as well because mm-hmm. 22 pounds of dextrose is not cheap. <laughs> well, let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get into uh, Sean's uh, white powder and baggies. Back after <laughs> this. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty crispness you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft 
beer equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmasters Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award winning brew pub experience from 8 30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his tail wagon amber ale and double secret probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the beer of the month, special rotating taps, and the BN Army member special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer food and music downtown joe's the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home live beer radio the brewing network the brewcasters if you're just starting don't be discouraged by all this stuff it's so easy just throw it together put some sugar and some water and some yeast in there network Now back to Can You Brew It? All right, we're back. We're talking uh, Dogfish 120 and our uh, clone master. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, today is uh, Sean Paxton here in the studio with uh, Tasty McDowell and myself. And uh, we're talking about uh, your powder in your little uh, dime bags. <laughs> it felt like that, actually. <laughs> I felt like a dealer. And you're feeding the addiction of the ferment. Definitely. All right, so you've you've uh, you've fermented out uh, most of the way your initial uh, about worked, five days, five days in, uh, which is going to take you down from uh, your starting one point one oh whatever gravity to um, you know you're probably in the thirties forties at this point. Kept around uh, thirty. That was kind of my goal. Right. And now what you're going to add is this uh, 
uh, super high gravity yeast from White Labs, the O99, or the O to V from White Yeast. Yeah. Okay, and then you you would uh, you you add that in a uh, big active starter. That's and it's important. You can't just dump in the yeast. You can't even dump in dry yeast. No. If you dump in an inactive yeast into a beer that has a certain percentage of alcohol and and uh, all the simple sugars gone, the yeast is just going to sink to the bottom. It's not going to get started. You have to have it started and fermenting and ready to go. It's got to be high croissant. You add that in, and you've got a good chance it'll continue on. So you added that, and then do you immediately add some sugar? Well, or back up just a little bit, because what's interesting, too, is is that, you know, to use the 1056 to start, you're actually going to get some flavor off that 1056. Mm-hmm. Because if you just use the O de V yeast or the, the, the high-gravity yeast, mm-hmm. you're not going to get as much flavor. And so that's actually a thing that I was talking to Andy about was it's is where that your beer flavor comes in a big flavor mm-hmm. and because if you just do straight eau de vie I mean that yeast is really made for more distilling mm-hmm. than drinking so mm-hmm. that's where I thought it was really interesting too and that's a piece that I think a lot of people might miss in that you know mm-hmm. oh I just add this right in mm-hmm. and so it's actually allowing the beer to actually start to ferment like normal before you start adding this extra yeast that is going to just dominate the 1056, even mm-hmm. though that's mm-hmm. a pretty high alcohol uh, resistant yeast. But that's the thing, too. I mean, to think about a beer that's in the 20% range versus like the 12 to 14%, you know, because you don't really see a lot of other beers out there above 14%. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about Sammy Claus, you know, that wasn't that high anywhere near. And then you start looking at what, you know, they're doing with Utopias now at 26%. I mean, you got to have some pretty resilient yeast. And so mm-hmm. that's where and everything, enzymes. and that's where like everything that you're doing is really making sure that, that the yeast are as happy as possible. So that's why you're oxygenating for the first five days to make sure that, you know, their cell walls are really healthy and all that yeast nutrients that you're adding in. Mm-hmm. And so basically I had put, um, 28, uh, dime bags, if you will, just, Lined them all up and had all that all pre-worked out mm-hmm. because basically first thing in the morning. Um, and, and, I, and how much in each bag? And 12 ounces. 12 ounces. And I used a conical. And this is where I think a conical over a carboy would mm-hmm. be really essential. Um, I mm-hmm. think this would be really hard to keep it as sanitary. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what I did is I had a gallon pitcher mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there's no scratches, no nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I had it sitting in a five gallon right. bucket of star sand. <clears throat> I see. Because you were able to just run some right beer off out off the bottom port. And, and, and I didn't versus, use a side uh, port. I actually used the bottom port because actually I wanted, wanted the yeast, yeast exactly get it back like in suspension as much viability right. as possible. Right. Right. It, stirring the yeast up in suspension really helps. Uh, with attenuation. That's one of the things about the design of the conical with the, 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 the circulation cone, patterns yeah. that you set up that help things attenuate a little bit more uh, from energy has a big effect on this. Definitely. But um, I can see what you're saying. If you were doing this from a carboy, you would have you to... be pouring it? I mean, like... Pouring it or getting a, uh, you know, you constantly be sticking your tubing into your into your beer yeah. yeah i mean twice a day for 14 days right I mean, and if you're sticking in that much times and if you don't you're have adding your, a whole another layer if your of tube like, is not perfectly whoops. sanitary gets raw you're gonna get you're, you're, you're gonna, gonna you, catch a social you're gonna, disease for you're sure gonna, you're gonna yeah. infect that beer yeah, yeah. and yeah. so basically i had a stainless steel whisk and, and uh, i'll tell you for a, a beer like this that's you know there's plenty of residual sugar and, uh, you know, for a couple of years, there's not one hint of any th- off contamination or anything in that beer. So, you know, that's uh, you know, a testament to how clean you were. It was, I mean, 
from a financial standpoint, I mean, this isn't a cheap beer to make. Um, right, and right. to do, you know, about 11 gallons is, mm-hmm. I think, what I ended up with after everything. So, mm-hmm. and it was a trip, too, because you, I mean, you see how much yeast is on the bottom of this thing, and it mm-hmm. was pretty surreal. Well, how much is a 12-ounce bottle of uh, Dogfish 120? About 850 to 9 no, bucks. 850 to, to 9 bucks, and you got 10 ounce. gallons. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm sure it was expensive, but... Yeah. Well worth the time. Yeah, I highly know. recommend the... I mean, it was a great experience. And actually, mm-hmm. it opened my mind to a lot of other ideas. Uh, I mean, just to understand this technique. And so, I mean, it's really, you know, what Andy talks about, not only in your article, but also my interactions with him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and basically, you know, having everything sanitary, uh, pouring it out the bottom. And what was a real trip was, is that when you poured that slurry off the bottom... I would take about two quarts mm-hmm. out of the gallon mm-hmm. uh, pitcher and then add in the sugar. And that was enough it. to dissolve 12 ounces of sugar? Pretty much. And I mean, and, the, and this is where dextrose is really critical because if you used regular white table sugar, which mm-hmm. you can get a 25 pound bag at Costco for like eight bucks, mm-hmm. which would have been very economical, mm-hmm. I don't know how you would have actually dissolved the sugar. I think you'd have to make <laughs> yeah, a, 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 a syrup. Well, and that's with, the thing, though, with, but, with a, but just a, a few ounces of water and uh, make a, a thick syrup of it. But then, if you think about that, even if you did that, you're mm-hmm. still diluting mm-hmm. the whole process. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm sure it would knock it down a little bit. But you know, if you're if you're desperate, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, yeah. and right, 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 and this sure. is where I did a lot of thinking uh-huh. about right. the right. the right ingredient to the right procedure, mm-hmm. that whole mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. And so that way, I didn't have to worry about heating something up because right, even right. having, I mean, if you were to make a simple syrup, if you will, mm-hmm. with the dextrose and water, and right. having that around, because adding it twice a day to do that process twice a day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tedious. What about confectioner's sugar? I don't think so because there's actually uh, cornstarch. Well, that's right. That's how they get it so powdery. Yep. Okay, there you go. So, and that's where, I mean, I did look a lot at different sugars and why and what's like, you know, mm-hmm. they have the caster sugar, which is the uh, super fine sugar. Right, right. And they use that a lot in bartending. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't... Uh, one, it didn't dissolve as well when you start to look at that amount. Mm-hmm. And then also the flavor of the dextrose, which is corn versus cane, actually, I think, attributes to the actual flavor profile of the beer. Hmm. Well, I wonder if you couldn't also... Um... I mean, think about it. 22 pounds of sugar into, <laughs> you know, 33 pounds of malt. That's a pretty high percentage. Yeah, I think it all ends up as alcohol and... There's very little left over. I wonder. I wonder if you couldn't um, just uh, you know trickle in a bit of sugar undissolved into the beer every so often. Uh, the advantage being, you take some granular sugar, and if you're going to do this in a carboy, rather than racking some beer out of it, um, just if, topping it if, off. If time is cheaper for you than. <laughs> You know, if 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 you got lots of time and not lots of money, then uh, you take that and um, uh, just add uh, you know a couple of tablespoons to the beer every you know maybe ten times a day. Uh, you know, spread it out, and the uh, the the uh, sugar granules act as nucleation sites. You'll get some foaming. You'll get that. You'll mm-hmm. drive off that CO two, which will help a lot with. Uh, uh, attenuation. If you can, if you can get rid of CO two, attenuation goes up. Uh, now you, esters go up as well. But 
Well, that's an interesting point. And the one thing I was really worried about, because I did think about that idea, uh-huh. was one, to be around for two weeks. Or, two, yeah, week, I mean, two weeks, all day, two weeks, yeah. And doing this, that whole thing. Well, and then know, the other you, thing. When you're jobless, like, or retired like me, and uh, jobless like uh, Justin or Chad. Or, I need you know, a stretch. And, and if you work in your work in your PJs, like uh, Tasty. <laughs> I could do this easily. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's walking back and forth PJs. to go, go, go to the... Uh, you're being <laughs> nice to him. <laughs> go, go to the urinal no, every... No, I wear uh, sure, I wear, you know. He goes to the urinal every every twenty minutes, anyway. So, I wear nutters. Uh, I, 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 I wear nutters. You, know, you can just put the the fermenter right next to the uh, urinal, and uh, oh, while you're peeing, can you can just uh, uh, you know, a couple of tablespoons of sugar. Huh? Sure, every time I go. There you go. Nice. I mean, I didn't do a test with a whole carboy, but I did right, do a right. test with a glass of water mm-hmm. and sprinkle in some sugar, and I did find that it was not dissolving at the right. bottom. It'll, it'll and, settle, yeah. And that was my concern, too, is that would it get lost in the yeast as it would settle, right. and then you just well, lose that sugar. And well, I, I think that's an excellent point, and, and what you'd need to make sure of is, um, because if, if, you, if you were to settle a whole bunch of sugar on top of the yeast cake at the bottom and make it... Uh, you know, a, a, a you know, and, and get a, a thick viscous layer there. The yeast won't ferment that. If it yeah. gets to too high an osmotic uh, gravity, uh, the yeast boom, cannot ferment done. it. So if you were to do this, I would say swirl the carboy. Yeah. You know, Multiple dump times. the yeast in or the sugar in and give it a swirl and give it a swirl. You know, and let it kind of stir up because uh, and, and and monitor that. Like totally. Andy was saying, you got to monitor what's going on because if. If the yeast have stopped fermenting the sugar in your, you know, it, just adding more sugar is not going to do it. No. You're just going to make your beer sweeter, so you need to be careful. And this is that. where it was interesting, too, for me, is is that, so I would take that pitcher and then pour it back in the open port on the top of the conical. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I sealed it back up, whatever air was in the airlock mm-hmm. or whatever water was in the airlock, it would completely blow everything out. I mean, right, it was right, right. so active. It was yeah. like, thank you, we are having a party. Well, and it was just amazing. Yeah. We're letting some carbonation yeah, on you're it driving too. a lot of CO2 off as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing, just that whole process, because mm-hmm. you're feeding all right. this extra sugar that's instant. I mean, well, then it, it stirs, up the, uh, stirs up the yeast. Oh, you know, totally. It, it's, it's that CO2 lifting. It's at the end, and, because in the beginning... You kind of see the beer actually change from mm-hmm. like day one to day fourteen, mm-hmm. and that you actually see the beer go from not a lot of yeast to more and more yeast, and then you start to really see all the different mm-hmm. processes of fermentation. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I mean, you're pour, pouring out just almost like sludge, and so you right. actually like you actually start using about three quarts versus two quarts to get this process mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. And this is where actually I would actually change something in the recipe with that instead of having all the dime bags at. Uh, 12 ounces, I would actually do some at 6 and 4. And so as you get further into the process, because you'll kind of start to amounts, see smaller right, amount. Right, and that's right. where I think I made the mistake, and that's why and it's that's a little why it's sweet. sweet. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, because at a certain point, you can't keep adding oxygen. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to oxygenate yeah. your beer. Right. right. You and I don't want it to be like cardboard, you know, right. that... Right. <laughs> So, and then the other thing with it is, is that you have a little bit more control that way um, because it's a trip because at the very end, you, I mean, that last edition, you mm-hmm. see it. I mean, you, the yeast is done. Like they just completely drop out. Like nothing happens. Yeah. yeah. You it's have like, the sugar and you're like, Go! And I mean, seriously, this Go! was like maybe one bag then, too many because yeah. you're looking at the gravity and, and I mm-hmm. mean, if you add up all the sugar and all the grain that I used, it right. your OG is like 1200. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> so that's the thing is, uh, yeah, I think uh, 
Well, what do we have here is the, uh, you know, you start out with like a 1092 without the sugar, and then with the sugar, you're doing um, 11, or yeah, 1194. So uh, 1.194, so 1200 is probably about exactly what so because, you're doing. So, I mean, how do you figure out the alcohol, co- you know? alcohol content of this beer you know because that was the other thing too because mm-hmm. it's like well you started with this and then you're adding right, this right, but then right. this is what was left over so mm-hmm. so yeah so it's a, a lot of fun to really think about this whole process because mm-hmm. you could actually do this with a lot of different things so mm-hmm. well i got a question for you here and I, I i'm sure mike has a bunch of questions as well sorry i've, I've been uh, hogging all your time here but i think um you can hog all you want Braze him, braze him. Why, why thank you. <laughs> uh, one question for you, you know, and I, I don't think I could have you on a show without asking, what kind of foods would you pair with uh, the Dogfish 120? What would you do with it food-wise? Um, I think anything with apricots for like a dessert or peaches um, I think would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of cognac uh, flavors in Yes, my, in, in your, in in your clone. Yeah, 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 very much. And that's what I really actually enjoy about it. I actually kind of like cognac, yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, without being, you know, 40%, it's 20%. Right. So, um, and that's where I think uh, anything vanilla I think would be fun with it mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the the hop, especially being the Simcoe, the Warrior doesn't have, you know, a huge flavor profile in comparison to the Simcoe and the Amarillo. Those mm-hmm. are the real dominant. And those, I think the Amarillo, to me, has a lot of dried apricot flavors. So mm-hmm. I really think, you know, anything like a pudding or a creme brulee mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. accentuate that a little bit more. I think would be really nice. Uh, you know, and this may seem criminal, but I think if you added some of your clone to a nice uh, tea... Oh, totally. Good, good, good quality tea, and that'd be really it, good. You know, it would be it would sweeten up the tea, but you'd have those alcohols and those aromas, and Bounce you'd have the, the hop. Yeah, the, really help your good. cold. That'd be, be really nice. Yeah, I mean that that'd be very <laughs> nice. You know, uh, your buttered rum, nice, nice cold cold evening. Mm. Uh, that would be that'd be quite especially good. this time of year, actually. Yeah. So that's the other thing that I did that was too. a little different. Hey, you never know. Yeah. Well, you know, you Get gave me you gave me a little bottle. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I you also gave me a bottle of blind pig, and I drank I drank both of those not in the same day. But uh, but I drink both. <laughs> Which wouldn't be by, beyond you. It's just you didn't ever get around to it. That's all. <laughs> but I did keep the fermentation temperature around between sixty six and seventy because with it, each edition, oh, you'd actually really feel the uh, conical actually get warm. Um, mm-hmm. It was a real mm-hmm. trip just to see the yeast and ha- how much heat they would actually really put off. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder. You know, I, I think if uh, maybe if you didn't do ten editions a day, but if you took the two editions and broke them up into maybe four editions. You know, the the more additions you broke it up into, I think the easier it would be for the yeast. You know, kind and of that, that was, continuous rather than a, a boom, bust, boom, bust, boom, bust. But see, what's also hard, too, is is that, again, you're looking at the viability of the yeast. And uh-huh. so, you know, doing it three times, four times a day probably would be better mm-hmm. if, if you can pull that off. I didn't really have that option. I really did it every 12 hours was my addition. Right. Um, and then really, I mean, it's a trip. I mean, you just uh, think about... Feeding something that long, I was really worried after that two-week period, if it did take three weeks instead, if I did mm-hmm. less mm-hmm. over a longer mm-hmm. period of time, right. I, I was really worried about attenuation. Well, like, you know, you have a job and things like that, but, you know, if you get somebody like like life. Push, um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure what he'd do is pull his kids out of school and have them uh, stand next to the carboy and, and make additions I'm all sure day long. Mrs. Bush uh, would be okay with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's very supportive. A She's a For love woman. of beer. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> the uh, 
You mentioned the temperature a little bit. You said it kept between, what, 60-something and 70? 66 and 70. So you cooled in, like when your initial uh, fermentation temperature was... Uh... I didn't want it too warm because I didn't want to get too many esters. So I uh-huh. felt like, too, just like with the high alcohol yeast, right. you know, what flavor profile that was going to bring to the I party. I have got a nice balance. You know, it's. I think yeah, your it's, ester uh... profile is the same as the dogfish. Yeah. And that was really the goal, you know, and right. so to really think about that because, you know, I'm even... T- 1056, you know, it can go up to, what, 74, 75? Right. Um, oh, but yeah. you do get a little bit more pineapple, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and here's the thing. Uh, you know, when we're doing these clone brews, uh, the, the thing that uh, Tasty and I are finding is, you know, the, the brewer's given us their actual fermentation temperature, but you have to kind of envision what kind of fermenter they're doing and, and how totally. deep these fermenters are. Because if you're using a 30-foot-tall fermenter, of gallons. it suppresses uh, ester production with all that CO2, with the higher uh, uh, partial pressure of CO2 in solution. It really does, and especially the bottom where the yeast is on the cone, you're, you're getting a lot less esters at those higher temperatures. So you... When you're doing your homebrew version, you actually, you know, when somebody tells you like uh, Stone or uh, Dogfish tells you 72 degrees, you're thinking 68? Yeah, that's probably about right. (laughs) They're not lying to you. You know, they're not trying to make Very something different. up. It's just, it's different equipment. You need to make some adjustments. And on you that. think about just the volume of what they're doing versus what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, radically mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Now, did you uh, do a secondary? I mean, did you drop the, uh, the, the 001 when it was done? Nope. I kept it right in. So you kept the whole yeast cake there? Well, and my thought process on that one was is that, okay, so there is potentially an issue with autolysis. So, but at the same time, too, by taking that yeast out and adding in the new, there mm-hmm. would be a lag time. Right, right, right. And then also trying to think about, God, this is going to be just a friggin' huge, huge right. beer. It needs every help that it can possibly and get. And I, I right. don't taste anything. Well, that's why I see here. Any off. Yeah, it's a great know. question. Um, yeah, I see this as a, a real big fermentation challenge. I mean, oh, it's huge. Created this almost unfermentable uh, mountain that you have to climb. I mean, after I read yeah, the article the, from Jamil and Zymergy, you know, great magazine, but yet at the same time, I'm like, wow, this really opens up a lot of questions mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. this is not your standard brewing, and nobody talks about how to brew like this. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I emailed Andy, and, and it was really interesting, too, because this is where, again, to really think about everything that you're doing through the whole brewing process and why and what effect mm-hmm. that little tiny thing, but you do it 28 times, right. you could screw your beer up real easy mm-hmm. because there's that much more op- opportunities for, you know, <laughs> bread mm-hmm. or anything else that might be around your brewery, you right. know, so. Well, I think you got really close. Uh, you oh, know. Thank you. I mean, I know it is a little sweeter, and that's where, right. at the very end, I mean, it's it's amazing how easy it is it's to overshoot one, it. one extra pack. It, seriously, right. that's all it was. Right. Well, you know, you, th- you think the yeast, when you think about the yeast you're doing late in this ferment, I mean, they're just trying to strike a balance between what they can eat, and you if you give it too much sugar, they're going to want to go into reproductive mode, right? Because they see more sugar than they can consume, they're going to want to mate. That means they're going to stop eating. So you have to... Is that right? Can't they? Well, uh, but actually, yeah, are they really? Right. Eating, I mean, you want to keep? Or, them? Are they still reproducing at that level at twenty, like eighteen alcohol? to twenty percent? I mean, that's where I don't know. Well, what, what paper to, to read to find out that information? You know, if you get more oxygen, then yes. But or then I would screw least, myself, right? Right. Or use nutrients. I mean. Right. But if you overfeed them, aren't they going to go into some state that you don't want them to be in? Uh, no, you know that's the. They'll just take longer thing. to eat um, that sugar. You know, I was just talking with uh, Whitey about uh, about this very thing, and uh, well, he would say it depends. 
<laughs> right, because he's right. You know, give me all. If, if you gave him all the parameters, <laughs> he would give you the exact answer. But if you oh. give him like you know three fourths of the ballpark, yeah, one you know two of the parameters of the hundred, he's going to be like, well, you know, it depends on the other ninety eight. Yeah, so yeah. what he's not saying is depends on the other ninety eight. He says, well, you know. Um, well, well, uh, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, the yeast, uh, you know, there's that whole thing with the crab tree effect and all that. And he's, he was saying, you know, it never really occurs. So, you know, the yeast are always fermenting no matter what. Cool. So even when they're, you know, reproducing, they're fermenting. So it, it's just uh, realistically in, in the beers we give it now, this is a kind of an odd case. So maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That's a good question, though. But I, I, I think, um, you know, uh, what you're getting at, Mike, uh, it sounded like you're getting at, tell me if, if not, uh, is that, you know, being very careful in metering out the, ye- the yeah, sugar yeah. The, a little the, slower. The thought of having reduced size packets at the end would be, mm-hmm. would kind of force you into that mode, like yeah, give, their, right. give them a break when they're their, yeah. their weakest or the end of their, their cycle. And just mm-hmm. to slow it down, because I mean, this is where to make it's sure also, that you don't overfeed them. And that's really that's that's the goal, and that's where too I learned from that ex- experience, and and I'm sharing that with all you guys out there. So, what was so. your major of fermentation activity? Did you had a bubbler? Is that what you, you were watching the bubble oh, yeah. activity? Yeah. But even it was a trip because the day before when I poured in um, the mixed slurry, if you will, I mean it went still apeshit. And I mean, it really went from one packet to like, boom, like it just went, I mean, within four hours it had stopped. It was that fast. And so to go from such a vigorous, I've never had any fermentation ever like this. It was so radical to go from that all the way to this after 14 days, because I've never actually seen a beer ferment like that for 14 days. But I mean, think about how much sugar you're adding in. I mean, it's had a lot of work to do. And so that's where it's completely different than anything I've ever brewed. Half the fun of it too. You know, I treat a lot of my ferments that way. I'll intentionally mash really high to make it make it less fermentable. And then I'll attack the ferment aggressively like that. I'll huh. do lots of oxygenation, a lot of yeast nutrients, uh, do a rise in temperature in the last fifty percent of the ferment, stuff like that. Just to, well, and, and, and Mike, you you do that in order to get a, a drier beer with, with without a, a thin beer, without a thin beer, yeah, without right. The body so right. you can you can have. Um, uh, the a finishing, like that. Yeah, you can have a finishing gravity that's, uh, you know, 10, 12, 10, 16, 10, 10, 20, but beer. it's dry. Right. So the flavor is dry, but you've got a nice, rich beer. I love body. that combination. Yeah. It's right. one of the reasons I think I love I love all the beers you give me, Mike, is well, because sure. you... Thanks. And that is an art to do know. it that way. Yeah, it's a challenge, but I, I like that challenge. It's fun, and I think what you've got is a fermentation challenge here, so that's a... And that's sort of too, because also trying to think about how much residual sweetness will the sugar add as far as body? And that's where I was like, hmm. So that's why I used the um, meshing schedule that I did. Sure. Because I basically wanted to treat it like a Saison. I wanted it as dry as I possibly could get it. So because I knew that that would be the biggest issue because once that yeast stopped, it stops. Mm-hmm. So You mentioned uh, that you did draw the... Um the uh, wort that you're doing your mixing with off the bottom uh, port. Did you ever rouse the yeast through the bottom port, like uh, push CO2 in there and rouse everything back up? That I never did. Um, Something because... that, I, that I've done on a lot of ferments that I thought were 
more but progression since I was the way I want pouring it out and adding it back in, I felt that that was kind of already doing that process because also that's yeah. where I struggled a little bit because, you know, I do have a stainless steel, um, uh, carbonation stone on a stainless steel rod that I could put in there very safely and not have to worry about because I would always have the, the oxygen on full bore. So it was already coming out the pores and not going back in at the end and really making sure that I kept that as clean as possible and mm-hmm. put that in the star sand so as well. So keep your rod clean and uh, stick it in there. Exactly. While it's flowing and, uh, yeah. Make sure that that happens. But then when I, um, I mean, if you stop and think about it, if I'm pouring off just the contact with the air, you know, as it's coming out the bottom port and then using the whisk to whisk it in, I am whisking in some percentage of, of air. Ambient. Mm-hmm. So with that, I was like, okay, you know, I don't really want to do too much else. And I didn't no, want to add You've got enough fermentation CO2. going to absorb that CO2. Yeah. And it oh, probably yeah. could use it, actually. I think it did. Right. So. I mean, it definitely benefited. Yeah. So, but a lot of fun to brew. All right. Oh, and actually, too, the one thing that I'm forgetting to say is is that so also I'm sexy. No. Okay, sexy. that's a given. But um, every day for four weeks, I dry hopped it. So just kind of keep adding hopped some, it. Yeah. or uh-huh. so you know, just keep adding some pellets every day. And every day. day, every day for four weeks. How many pellets every day? Six grams. Six grams a day. Every Were you day. not listening to the recipe? So I had a baggie for those as well. <laughs> no, I can't answer this. You weren't listening. He wasn't even in the room, was he? So basically, the first two <laughs> he weeks he was shaking hands or something. I don't know. <laughs> the first two weeks, I mean, you're on it twice a day, and then mm-hmm. the two weeks after that, you're still on it once a day. Mm-hmm. So you really need to be around for four weeks as this beer's doing its thing. Mm-hmm. You can't oh. just like walk can't go away. on vacation. Yeah, I, don't, I don't mind being on it twice a day. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. I can't even. You can't do that at your age. I'd be defending your wife. Who are you kidding? There's drugs. Six, seven. (laughs) Please. Come on. I'll uh, I'll leave you the, uh, you know, the evidence. (laughs) The cliff notes. (laughs) If it lasts for more than four hours, (laughs) call more ladies. Yeah. You're not not taking advantage. (laughs) Clearly, you're not using up all the... (laughs) The gifts that God has given you now with that little blue pill. Be like a little <laughs> rat. <laughs> All right, so. Go nuts for two weeks and then die. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, clearly, this is a uh, at least a 20% alcohol beer because the show <laughs> yeah. has gone yeah. into the crapper. Uh, no, it's been a good show, I think. Uh, and uh, let's do this. I know there's people listening. I know there's people with great questions uh, in the chat room. You know, one of the great things about the Bring Network all that other brewing uh, content out there, not live. Brewing Network is done live. You can listen live. You can get into the chat room. You can ask questions. You can interact with the show. And, uh, you know, the stuff isn't edited, uh, as you can tell, because <laughs> we're too lazy. No, no, no. Uh, because it's important. You know, live radio is uh, is different than uh, something that's produced. So, uh, you know, get in that chat room and, and ask your questions. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll we'll get to those questions right after this. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood, and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hell no. We need it for our Flinders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacacus Damnesis on the barrel. Sorry, your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. Ugh, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks. What do we have here, Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy. We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? 
Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. <gasps> Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs, ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on calf and 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh. White Labs. It's all in the vial. This holiday season is one of gratitude, giving, and winning. More Beer says thank you to all their wonderful customers with deals from Thanksgiving through New Year's, in addition to low prices, free shipping, and the More Beer deal of the day every day. And one lucky customer is going to win Regan's Big Fat Package, the very first More Beer Pressurizable Conical Fermenter. Rolling out just in time for the holidays, it's their brand new redesigned stainless conical line with a new threadless racking port, new stand options and a new pressurizable lid. They're giving away one of these new pressurizable conicals on December 31st. For every order you place with more beer between November 1st and December 31st, use the coupon code CONICAL up to once every day to enter yourself into the drawing. Go to morebeer.com for more details. The 2009 More Beer season of winning. Win yourself some great deals and maybe even a brand new conical fermenter. Enter today only at morebeer.com. Have you ever noticed the pathetic look on the face of the Brewcaster poster boy? That's the look of a child that survives on ramen noodles and home brew. Subprime Meltdown doesn't even begin to describe what this kid has been through. He lives this grim existence for his army, the Brewing Network Army. Times are tough for everybody. It's like getting stuck in time two days before payday. Cash is tighter than a post-it IOU stuck in a stripper's sweaty G-string. The unicorn's horn is limp and the rainbow has lost its color. But you can help change all that. If you were to take that sparkling change in your pocket and plop it on the table for the BN instead of that extra pint at happy hour, then the world could be a brighter place. When you buy a round for the BN, you buy a round for yourself and your fellow soldiers. And that's what it's all about. That and being entered into the reoccurring donor monthly raffle. So step up and start your own economic stimulus package. For just a few bucks a month, you can stimulate the unicorn, the rainbow, and a brewcaster. Hit that donate button just like you'd hit on that crazy bitch at the bar right after last call. You'll be really happy about it in the morning. Ewa, what's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. Woo! It's the Brewing Network. And now, suck it, Tasty. All right, so 
So uh, during the break, the Brain Trust has been uh, drinking. Oh, well, and thinking. <laughs> and, uh, and peeing. In that order. Peeing, and uh, <laughs> Justin's been shaking hands. Um, and one thought we came up with was, uh, all right, now what are your alternatives on this? Now, uh, I was saying, you know, this this later portion is really just adding this high-gravity yeast and adding sugar and fermenting out that sugar as completely as possible to add uh, a substantial portion of alcohol and leaving not a whole lot of residual sugar. You know, <clears throat> why couldn't you um, run these two ferments in parallel? So you pitch your uh, 1056 Cal Ale yeast in the uh, in the in the, the uh, grain ba- mm-hmm. based sugars, right? And then uh, you just pitch like your, a normal beer. Right, your high gravity or your O to V in um, just a, a, like a sugar wash. sugar water solution. Yeah, like a wash for distilling, yeah. mm-hmm. and ferment that out, and 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 you know keep feeding that and get that going, and then blend and then the blend the two back. It would be an interesting work. process. The great thing would be, I think you'd have more control over the. Uh, over but don't you think that ferments. there's some just. Incidental flavors that might yes. be happening because yes. of how the we're combination it. of things. Yes, I mean this technique. I, I think is a really interesting with it incremental mm-hmm. feeding. I think really right. wrap to wrap my head around it. You know, and actually think about not only just in this beer, but also like the worldwide stout, right? And then what you could do with this to do other beers mm-hmm. outside well, of our style. And you know, um, the the one thing I would adjust to what I just said was uh, maybe I'd add a little bit of the super high gravity to the. Uh, main ferment with the Cal Ale and see if that'll dry it out a little further. Put it in sooner, maybe, or right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, even when you um, when you mix the simple sugar with the yeast and all that in that main ferment, it's the simple sugars that are getting consumed. The yeast stop. They do the know, easy stuff they, first. Yeah, yeah. They oh, yeah. they keep focusing on you know all the simpler sugars and maltose gets you know left behind that's one of the reasons that you ferment that out first is you want it to consume you know the maltose otherwise it doesn't if you have a certain percentage of sugar well the yeast are, are just not going to consume the maltose they, they, well, they that, don't make the enzyme that allows them mm-hmm. to uh, break down the maltose into simpler sugars and, true. and utilize Very true. Them, so and that's actually why I spent the extra time to really make sure that I did the 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 step mash to really mm-hmm, break mm-hmm. down as much as possible. Right, right, right. Because that was the one thing that I was worried about was the residual. Mm-hmm. You still end up with a lot of maltose. I mean, the bulk of totally. of, of your sugars are all maltose. So that's one of the But versus doing, you, you know, like a, I don't know, 154, 156, 158. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. I mean? You would have a lot sweeter, right, I think, right. of a finished Yeah, you product. definitely want in the, uh, the, the, the lower... Right, right, right. Uh, mash temp range. And I think what Sean did, I think, you know, that, that works as well. And that's, you know, uh, belt and suspenders. You know, not a bad idea in something like this. Uh, but I think, you know, that simple sugar has a separate, you know, like you're saying, a, a wash, a rum wash. I think you need to distiller. go ahead and try that. Yeah, I think that might work. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah that's a situation where a home brewer can, you know, do it. Uh, Take, take advantage of their uh-huh. – that they can do that. Right. Commercially, they're not going to give up two vessels to Right, to right. Yeah, beer. you can't. So how would you do this, Tasty? I mean, what what, what, what things <laughs> have you heard? Vodka, that, well, that, that, I would, that I'd be very <laughs> tempted to put some portion of the sugar into the boil just to, right, I don't know, right. just to kind of get the everybody, all the yeast kind of acclimated to that sugar and maltose right, environment right, 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 right off the bat. But wouldn't you be worried a little bit about, you know, like a stuck, you know, 
fermentation, just too much sugar, the yeast just saying, exactly. you know. Exactly. Well, the yeast get lazy immediately. Yeah. And they don't, they don't just produce like, the enzymes There's no way, even if you pitch just like the biggest, baddest. You know, Not a just, lot of sugar, just a little, just enough to say it's in the environment. Right, maybe, right, right. Maybe 5% of right. your 40%. Right, right. Just a little bit. It's a token amount. Uh-huh, just uh-huh, to get uh-huh. it into the mix. Just no, to get I, the, I see what you're saying. It's like a chemistry kind of thing. Right, right. And then... Uh, I would I would tend to then then really push these sugar additions. You know, once the 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 primary yeast was done, and I mean it had to be mm-hmm. almost to a standstill. Mm-hmm. Then I first of all I would be tempted to drop that that dead yeast, right? And then you know go with the other pitch, or and even, I would even add even, another pitch of that. You know, yeah, another pitch of the the first Both. yeast, yes. right? Getting it active again, right. high croissant, high a high gravity right, starter, right, 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 right. The even high gravity even maybe it could be uh, in sugar as well. You could. Have a separate sugar starter with the, with that yeast. Uh, yeah, you got to be careful of that. If you if you grow that yeast in in sugar, uh-huh. they they won't they won't ferment maltose. So yeah, well, it's all the maltose would be gone. Was what I'm thinking by the time right, you did that. Right, right, right. Well, well, that's, that's why I was tricky. thinking adding yeah. more of the high gravity to the original yeah, batch. Maybe it would consume more of the maltose and help dry it out a little bit more. But see, I was worried about flavor profile right. because right. I mean, well, you think not. about like delirium tremens when they make that yeah. beer they use three different yeast at three different times mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that's actually what adds to that spiciness that right. you get in the final product but that's not from I, I would agree with that except so i agree the fact that you use the three different yeast but i think that you know if you add that and the sugar to the main ferment it's still just fermenting those simple sugars i think you ferment those simple sugars you know in a sidetrack and when you end it back, you you end up with the same thing. It's you know that it, it it will ferment a little differently due to the stress from the alcohol that exists and the CO two that exists. So what about like if you were to pitch like you know so it's about four or five days in, uh-huh. then pitching in the high gravity yeast, right, not right. adding in the sugar right away, letting right. another day just to help finish up all the maltose before right, you right, right. starting to. Right. Introduce because I mean, you think about it. I mean, twenty four yeah. ounces of sugar every right. day. Well, that's why I'm saying, you know, the rum wash. Yeah, like you're saying, you know, maybe uh, and start low and just keep building. You know, keep it a continuous. Try and keep the uh, the gravity of the uh, of the rum wash or the sugar wash uh, track. Yeah. You know, hanging around ten forty all the time, and. Um, you know, once it start to go and, up, and keep then taking stop. measurements and see when it gets, you know, when it starts to drop, and you know, just keep it in that that sweet spot. So I mean, once you're over twenty percent, I mean, there's no way you're going to break right. it down any further, right? Um, by right. adding in fresh yeast or anything else, champagne yeast won't. I mean, mm-hmm. everything else at that point is going to be dead. So, short of enzymes, yeah, exactly, nothing. Well, and even the enzymes, I mean, they've, you know, the the alcohol's toxic. I mean, you get yeah. to five percent, it's already toxic to the yeast. Hmm. And so that's where I was really trying to, like, wrap right, my head around right, the right. 20%, 21%. I mean, you start right, thinking, right, I mean, right. that's just a big number. Yeah. I mean, one advantage to adding to the main, back to the main batch is it's kind of a, a dilute for the, you know, if you ran the separate rum wash track, it's going to get to a higher alcohol percentage than if it was in the dilute of the uh, the, the, the the main batch. Because that's not going to get to as high a gravity, so there is some amelioration of the alcohol percentage. I think you need to try that, and I'll try brewing it right. again. So I think you know we're 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 coming up we're with a lot of stuff hairs. here. We're we're, we're going long on this show, but that's because we got a lot the, of good information. I could just buy the rum and throw it in, <laughs> or vodka. Uh, good, good good information. Uh, Justin, what about the chat room? We got oh, some uh, questions there. A ton of questions. 
This is one that's provoking a lot of thought in there. All right, we're gonna go. To, we're gonna go four hours on this. One. <laughs> I like all those brewers thinking. Could happen. It's time for the thinking. meltdown already. Well, it was the meltdown an hour ago. <laughs> well, these brought. are some really good questions, okay. though. So maybe they'll keep us on task. Uh, Anthony wants to know. He's in there. He says, uh, you know, why use all these different hops for the long boil additions? Do you really get different bitterness profiles from different hops, or does any of that come through as flavor? You know, why, why does it have to be different varieties for bitterness? Uh, some of it comes through in flavor. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's, it's a twofold process, too, because, you know, usually our average boil is 90 minutes for an all grain. So you think about adding something like that in, you're not going to get any aroma, any flavor at all at that point. It's almost all bitterness. There's Doing a, it. I mean, I. There's, I'm not saying side that by there side, isn't. There's a, there's a very slight difference. But, yeah, you're going the whole 20, 120. So you're going two hours now. Yeah. So you're thinking like, you know, by, your last by, edition is by a the time you're an hour in, you put mm-hmm. in half of your hops. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, how much flavor are you going to get there? But mm-hmm. on the contrary, you're actually going to be getting a lot of aroma and flavor. From the last hour. The last hour, because right. you're putting in all the way up to the very end. Right, right. You know, right. so mm-hmm. it's not like you're putting everything in at the last... 15 minutes and saying, right. you know, here you go. Well, and I wonder if you couldn't get away with, uh, you know, not doing all these, you know, 40 editions. You could probably get away with 10 editions. That's what I was thinking. And, that you, could, you know. Well, uh, this is where, I mean, know, it's what, interesting, At what too, point does that, it really That in itself is its away. own unique technique. Right. Because right. this is where I, I really tried to look at this as edumacation, you know, and, mm-hmm. and really help educate myself as mm-hmm. far as, you know, here we go by doing something. I've never done 40 hop editions on any beer before. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Uh, no. <laughs> and I've never... Just throw in a pound at the end and I'm done. And that's... <laughs> I do... For a couple of my beers, I do that uh-huh. almost... Uh-huh. I mean, I, I love that technique. Mm-hmm. But, so right there, that was something interesting in itself. Right, right, so I right. don't know... I mean, it would be interesting to brew this beer like three different ways and do it, you know, one where it's... 10 hop additions versus 41, where it's all added at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean... Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as I taste the 120, the, the real beer, which, of course, has has had the continuous hopping, I mean, I don't notice that to be a better hop profile than a lot of other beers that just have, you know, three hop additions. And you that's, know. I mean, is I mean, that if, just if it's there, a marketing it's just not that ploy? noticeable. Well, it's, I don't know. Uh, you know. I mean, the heart of the hop is all we use. I it's mean, being more like, you know. we love We love uh, dogfish, and we love Sam and all that, but... Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I don't know that it necessarily makes, you know... Well, even though they're 90-minute, I mean, I think right. that has a very different flavor profile than a lot of other beers, and it's not just because yeah. of the hops that they use. Right, right. I mean, again, I think that that beer as well has actually changed since... Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when it used to be in 750 bottles, and man, that was just like candy. This is oh. mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know... I'm, I just think it's a very interesting thing because to really think about technique mm-hmm. and that, sure. you know, it's not always that and we overlay matters. the same I'll, technique. I'll, 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 I'll tell you that. That's one of, the, one of the things I always say is, you know, you have the same equipment, you have the same recipe, you put a different brewer in there, and the beer turns out different. The de- brew turns out oh, different. Yeah. Why? Because of the technique of the brewer. So, you know, obviously that'll make a difference. All right. Next question. All right. Bike Foolery. In fact, Bike Foolery's been hanging out in the chair room. He's got a lot of good questions. Mm-hmm. I, I liked every one of them. His first one was, uh, would mash hopping or first wort hopping be applicable to, applicable to this beer? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know would if you're do really anything for it? it. I mean, unless you brewed it side by side, we'll never know. 
Yeah, I, I don't think so. Okay. Let me get through. With uh, the 120 boil, that's, that's, it's yeah. going to be pretty much uh, you know, plenty of hops going scrubbed out. out of there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me get through some of his other ones, too. Um, question about sanitizing your sugar additions. He ended up saying later that maybe the alcohol content was high enough that he sort of answered his own questions. But it's worth, it's worth talking about. Totally. You didn't add them during the boil. You added them during fermentation. Definitely. Do you do anything to sanitize the sugar for this beer? I did not. Okay. Um, outside of making sure that the pitcher and the, the whisk were all in star sand, um, and I just basically... After use, I washed it really good, popped it back in the sanitizer, and I just had it. You're not boiling. You're not doing anything. It's, it's not necessary. So, I well, thought about doing a simple syrup each time, but to do that 28 times, <laughs> it just seemed like yeah. a lot of extra work. Yeah. And, uh, well, and you, you had could, a job two years ago. You could make ago, one so. syrup and store it. You know, <laughs> you couldn't do that. Rub Mike, it in Mike, Mike, and I know I'm a slacker. Yeah. Mike, Mike is, uh, Mike's, <laughs> lazy. Mike's uh, suggestion is... You make make one big syrup of all well, your. Well, not all twenty two pounds, right, but, or, yeah. but that's or whatever. Thing, though, even a couple if you of, did that, couple of big ones, you then, could get an infection off that. And then pour. It. Well, you well, boil. I'm talking about you. But boil here's it. the thing. Here's the thing. Even though. if you boil it and you have it sitting there, you're opening it and you're closing ah, well, then, it. I don't think so. All right, and here's the reason why. Bring it on. Okay. Um, one of the reasons that honey and sugar tend to be so stable is that um, you know bacteria and, and wild yeast, they can't do anything on the surface. It, it, it's way too high a concentration of sugar. They're unable to survive there. And what, when sugar breaks down, it's because it oxidizes first, and which generates uh, you know carbon dioxide and water. And it starts to dilute the sugar, and that's when you can start to have problems. But even then, it's very, you know, you can put sugar on your, cell, on your shelf. You know, you can, I, I got a jar of sugar, I open it, you know, multiple times, I stick spoons in there, and that that thing, you know, years go by, and it, it never really no goes bad, right? Yeah. Because uh, as long as you're keeping the, it, it, it's oxidation that, that breaks down sugar and honey mm-hmm. and things like that, but uh, bacteria and wild yeast tend not mm-hmm. to survive off of that. So I think generally you're quite okay going with, uh, as long as you keep it in a very thick syrup that they can't ferment or... Um, yeah, I mean in that's a, where because or in in its crystal form. I mean I've done simple syrups where it's a one to one ratio, and I've actually had those go bad. Right, right. Yeah, once you get thinned out, I think uh, you you thin out enough. And this is where I didn't want to take, take any but, risk. And also, again, re talking about the idea of diluting. You know, I mean, I don't want to add any extra liquid. I think that's a good a good point. Well, yeah, you got a volume factor. issue. My conical, you know, was whole right. fourteen and a half gallons. Well, and, and so but if you add uh, uh, a quart. To fourteen and a half gallons, it really does have a considerable impact on your ABV and sure. your and your gravity. And not only just that, but also too, it's just like you know, I mean, I had eleven, almost twelve gallons of wort in a fourteen and a half conical, and so mm-hmm. just looking at headspace and everything else, and just right. all this work, right. and I mean, right. I just, because also adding uh, in twenty two pounds of sugar on top mm-hmm. of that, I mean. Right. Yeah, that has volume in and of itself. Let me tell you, I mean, just picking up a 22 Doesn't just band, dissolve you know, and disappear. Of sugar, that's a lot of sugar mm-hmm. to add in. So that was my my other right, issue because right. I was thinking about some but of that. Got stuff. All sorts of issues. I know. This is a complicated project, so it's going to have issues. He's a complicated yeah. man. He's an artist. <laughs> right. Do you want expect? me to lie down? Talk about my mother. He's a food artist. Next next question. Yeah. Uh, Jay Caravis, I hope I got the name right, um, has the same question as me. Uh, uh, why oxygenate more? Uh, and what are you getting? And then I have a follow-up to that. Uh, is the rule I've always gotten from Doc around here 
is once you see fermentation begin, you do, you do not oxygenate anymore. But you did it for for five days. You said, uh huh. So I so that's my fault. But but Caravo says why? Just the basics. Why do you have to oxygenate more for a beer like this? Well, one, you're you're putting the yeast under such extreme conditions. I mean, we're talking, you know, like Jamil just said, after five percent. I mean, it's starting to become toxic to yeast, and all the way up to 20%. So, I mean, we're going to multiply that by four. So you're going to add a variable where if you're not taking care of that yeast and helping to propagate it to help get the cell count that you need for the volume, because this is also what's really trippy about this beer is is that since you're adding sugar continually twice a day for 14 days, you're changing that yeast. I mean, it's like, oh man, we got to do it again. We got to do it again. We got to do it again. You know, I mean, it's like because you keep changing their environment. Yeah, they, they, when they adapt, so, they stress. Yeah. So right, you are yeah. stressing the yeast to almost an area where if you didn't do some of these things, that's probably where you only get an 18% beer. Okay. I mean, if I could have, I, I wish it could have gotten higher. I mean, look at Sam Adams and Dogfish Head about, you know, Utopias versus, you know, mm-hmm. 120. I mean, you know, that extra 5% was, you know, a huge thing, you know. No, okay. And and one of the things, uh, I think even Clayton Cohn, uh, you know, uh, when he was talking about high-gravity beers and high-gravity fermentations, you're actually good for, like, uh, you add oxygen to start, and then 12 to 18 hours later, you can do another dose of oxygen, but okay. not past 18 hours. And it's that whole growth period that in, that in any right. beer you're saying. And what happens? Yeah, well, well and it's it's mainly high for gravity. high gravity beers. Okay, okay. Yeah. But um, you know what happens is you know you have your initial yeast, and let's say they're they're fat and healthy, they've got all the oxygen they want, they've got all the nutrients, they're in great shape, and they go off, and what they do is they bud and they give up essentially half of everything they have to a daughter cell. And, uh, you know, they'll give off a, a few daughter cells, and they're down to, you know, and, and that first daughter cell has half, right? And, and half then it again. has, you know, it's half again, half again, and half again. You know, people go, oh, no, a yeast can uh, replicate as many times as it wants, and mm. uh, one yeast cell well, will make a mutation, you know, half. and that's the but, other thing. But, but that's not true. I mean, they really only go like three, four generations because they run out of all these things that actually make their cell walls pliant enough to bud off another cell. It's like a it's California like, divorce. That's right. It's like, <laughs> how many California divorces can you go through? Not many. Now, if you're real successful and you get lots of cash or oxygen, yeah. you can go Keep through a going. lot of divorces. Right? Okay. But, but still, right. eventually. Yeah, once you're cutting right. half five you, times, you, you got much left. It's yeah. like taking your skin off your body, stretching it, and and generating another person. How many times can you do that before you run out of skin or your skin breaks, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and fragile. each time you do, you end up with a scar. Now, yeast can bud and scar like up to 40 times, but reality is they're only going to do it like three, four times because they run out all these nutrients they need. Oxygen helps them build the sterols they need to replenish their that 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 membrane that they needs to be pliant and needs to be healthy in order to keep the alcohol out uh, for transportation mechanisms, a lot of different things. So that's what uh, oxygen is used for and all these other nutrients. All right, so, uh, you know, they've done a whole bunch of this budding and all that up to, you know, like 18 hours. That's why you're giving they, – they've already done that, and they're all kind of thinned out and kind of suffering. And now you're going to give them a whole bunch of alcohol to try and keep at bay on the other side of their cell, outside the cell, right? 
you're giving them more oxygen. It actually allows them to rebuild those cell walls, reinforce themselves. Uh, they pick up other nutrients from the wort. Now they're in better shape. Now you've you've got the population there, and they're in good shape, and, and they suck up that oxygen. You really don't want to do it too much past that because you you increase the amount of uh, VDKs that that you're going to get. Uh, you know, there's there's off flavor compounds that that come from that mutation. But you know, I really don't taste that in your your beer. You know, there's not a whole lot off flavor there. But uh, you do kind of get a you know a you can get a plasticky hot alcohol thing if you're oxygenating past that 18 hours. And that's why Doc is saying don't do that. Right. You know, give it at the beginning. And for a mild and, and, and low right. alcohol beers, you in never want In this case, if you're really chasing it, you really, you, you need to hit it with al- uh, oxygen, um, you know, between 12 and 18 hours as well. You need a big, big dose of oxygen during that time, or maybe a couple of times during 12 to 18. Yeah. Make sure, you know, those yeast are ready and, and, and ready to rip and, and plow through all that sugar that you provide them. Because and that should be enough. And then when you get to the, the, the wash, and the you know all the sugar additions and that high gravity yeast, you might consider it at that point. Um, There's you know, enough because that's also where I looked at it too. Is because you know you have such a high gravity anyway. How much is actually going to stay in suspension? Mm-hmm. You know because that's another factor. You know because oxygen or yeah because I mean you put that much oxygen in even with a point two micron stone right. how much is actually going to stay in suspension yeah and you know and the stones don't really help it's really um it's oxygen on the layer the surface layer the the wort that's that's your surface that the oxygen comes in the stone really just agitates the surface and helps um you know when we add uh, oxygen tension. to to uh, carboy and stuff like that you're filling that headspace with oxygen and you're disturbing the the surface, and that's really where the exchange comes in. The the small bubbles that come up, it's better than big bubbles, but really, it's a lot of it's absorbed. Once you've put the uh, the airlock on, it's absorbed from that headspace. You flushed it with oxygen, and uh, that's where you get a lot of the oxygen that pickup that happens. And that's why you can uh, really go a bit, you know, in, in smaller beers, you can actually go a little bit over overboard on uh, oxygen. Uh, right. Chad found out. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, kind of related. Uh, a couple of people, uh, Thunder Chicken in the forum and Evan also in the for, uh, in the chat room, asked about uh, distiller's yeast. Um, I did for one. I actually didn't know there was a difference in distiller's yeast or yes. brewer's yeast, but uh, something like that for for a high gravity beer. Well, the distiller's yeast is interesting. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever tasted it, but uh, it's not as desirable of a flavor profile. Um, it actually produces a lot more ethanol, which is what you're looking at when you're looking at distilling okay. um, versus all the other types of alcohol that you can create during fermentation. Um, some of that adds to flavor. Um, but uh, the distiller's yeast and the eau de yeast or the high-gravity yeast is similar, but not. it's not the same. Okay. Um, like the turbo yeast and that kind of stuff, it's not as desirable to drink because since you're distilling it, you're leaving all that extra flavor behind. Sounds like a headache, too. um, Actually, less of a headache because there's a higher amount of ethanol. Oh, is that right? Yeah. That gives you less. I see. So it's fusel alcohols. Ah, okay. All right. Exactly. So that's why, like, Bud will give you a headache because they're stressing that yeast and they're actually making a lot more fossil alcohol. Interesting. Okay. Thunder Chicken also wanted to know what size fermenter you used in this So it was process. a 14 and a half gallon conical. Okay. And that's why I doubled it, so. 
All right. Less headspace, but then also I want to make sure I had enough, you know, because also the way I looked at this beer too is is that if I'm going to go through this much work and this much effort, yeah, make a big one. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, praise the Lord, man. So well, and I've got, here I've got a question for you. It was, so you know, <laughs> you, you, you're making some like low alcohol beer. Just make a little bit, you know, and drink it real quick. You make really? something that you're going to age for five years. You know, Match. you, you got to make it enough that you can you can sample for five years and still have some at the end of five years. And the way I looked at this is that I would have two six ounce bottles every month for the next ten years, or that's, four that's bottles just about right. Every, or for five years. Yeah. So that's just about right. Yeah. And that's kind of where because I I this really want to see this beer. beer very easy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it, and ten year. What we just drank tonight was almost four years. So thanks for bringing us some. That's very nice. Yeah, I, uh, I love that. you guys. Uh, well, here's a good question. Pull your pants back up. Kind of uh, related <laughs> to that, the the amount of effort. It was a comment made, but I think it's a question for you, Jamil. A web pro was in there. He said, "I would think that with this re- with this beer, Jay Z could do this beer with all without all the hoopla." Three hop edition, some dry hopping, and then put it in the back of the walk-in for three years. Oh, and yeah. I'm not sure he was just blowing smoke up your ass, but uh, blowing him. is is this not a beer that could be simplified? Could the complexities of this beer be simplified, or, or well, no? It has I, to be. I, I think we kind of talked about that. Um, Do you want to take the risk? I I, I guess not, but. I think you could. Why are you brewing? I mean, I, that's my, I guess my question. Well, I think you could simplify the hop additions. Like Tasty was saying, like I was saying, I think you could dial them down a bit. Um, ten additions. And I think <laughs> down to ten. Right, from 40 to 10. Amazing. I, you know, cut it by that's you know, what the hop four. <laughs> really amazing. I think, you'd be, I, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to notice, notice a difference. And, 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 and really, we're pretty critical because we want these things no, to, be to be side-by-side. Right. Side. You're not sure which beer is which. And, right. we, and I, I'm with Tasty. I think maybe 10 you could get away with. And then I think you could get away with a parallel track of the, of the yeast wash or the, the sugar, the rum wash. Um, should we have a rematch? And you could you could do that at any time, and then you you brew your regular beer, and then you blend it, and uh, you know, there you go. You're like, okay, there, I'm done. Okay, and you don't have to worry about uh, uh, you know, trube or any of that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I I think you could I think you could simplify this at least a little bit. But let me just ask the question. I mean, yeah. are we brewing because it's work or is this fun? And to me, this was a challenge. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, no, I, I agree. You do this because Everybody because you can. In this room. Because it's so extreme and it's so out there. And um, But, you know, I, I, I got to give a nod to the guys who love the beer, but it's like they've actually got a job versus the rest of us where, Jesus, we can be on beer radio. So, you know. <laughs> I got. I got to give him a nod to that. I. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't hesitate to try and simplify. Put it that way. All right. How long was the D rest for this beer size? The what? The D rest. The diacetyl rest. I guess he said. Did you do something? Oh, I like never that? did one. You didn't do it at all. You just let it finish out. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, it would not a lager, so I just let it go and and. Uh, it's all pretty warm. Yeah, it's and, a pretty warm. Uh, I mean, I never <clears throat> chilled it or anything else. I mean, I kept it about. 66 to 70 the whole time and then after fermentation the signs of fermentation stopped i gave it another four days before i took anything off. see i would i would crank up the temp at the end i'd, I'd, I'd I, go I did ahead mix and it up i mean i did stir my 72 and my conical a couple times and hopefully getting the last bits of attenuation that, the yeast. and that would work as a d rest as well yeah. okay 
I mean, I do. I mean, I did have a thermo well in the center with a, a firm wrap on the outside, and all dialed mm-hmm. in with the. And you the had right your probe in there. I had the probe. It was deep in there. inside the. Uh, as deep as it would go. That's good. Right. Sometimes it only goes so far. When you uh, hit the bottom, you know. You, I don't know. You know I've, I've heard that. Out. We're talking Paxton here. I mean, it goes all the way. <laughs> for Paxton. Totally. Uh, all right. Uh, Phil Brazil, one of our Brazil listeners, mm-hmm. uh, Brazilian listeners. Uh, wouldn't it be? He says, wouldn't it be better not to have zero minute hops and just put all that into the dry hopping? What sort of flavors do you get with that zero to five minute hop that you uh, that you don't cover up or not get with dry hopping? Well, but here's the thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so even when you turn off the boil. You have enough sugar and everything else in there that Heat. you're at 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 212 degrees for yep. at okay. least 10 minutes. Yeah, and you I get mean, isomerization down to like 100 to five, so it's still happening. 170 some odd. You, I mean, you think know, about coffee still and getting tea, you know? isomerization. Yeah, so it's still bittering. Actually, okay. that's one of the things about you She's know if, if you're off. if you're quickly uh, chilling the entire volume. Then you're going to trap more aromatics and more flavor and get less isomerization. If you're sitting there, like a lot of the pro brewers, and again, Mike and I were, were constantly, you know, asking these brewers, totally. how long do you whirlpool? How long do you rest? Right. And that, you know, that kind of tells you well where you should throw your, your hops in. When they say, oh, I throw it in the whirlpool, then we're thinking, okay, 15 minutes, uh, sound about right. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, because, uh, you know, that hot word really will uh, drive off the volatiles. It'll isomerize. There's a lot of little tricky things going on there. So I Especially think. Especially like 50 barrels. I mean, that's right, going to stay right. versus 10 gallons. I mean, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I think what, you know, Sean was getting to is, uh, yeah, that zero minute addition is important, um, and I, you know I I think um, and you were saying this earlier, Sean, that that first sixty minutes, yeah, maybe you could consolidate that down into you know two hop additions in the first hour, but that and then change some of your the last hour is really more important. I mean, it's interesting too because we really try to figure out like what is the IBUs of the beer. Uh-huh. I mean, to really do the math. Yeah. By 40 editions, 60 editions right, every right, minute. Right. I mean, uh-huh, uh-huh. that's where it's really going to start to change because, I mean, if you put in all your hops or if you divided your hops into two different batches, the first hour and the second hour, mm-hmm. the first hour you did all your hops at the first, you know, right when it comes to boil, pop them all in, let it boil for an hour, and then break it down, you know, to eight different editions for the next hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might be interesting, too. But sure. then are you going to get too much bitterness because, you know, having... Tasty will dial it in. <laughs> Tasty will do this with one hop edition. Yeah. One hop edition and... And a uh, hop back. And a hop back. And he's done. <laughs> that's yeah. But that's where I just think about the technique of the idea right, right, of right. continual hopping versus right. doing what we normally do. I think it could be simplified. I think, I think you know, again, you average out, right? Um as long as you're averaging out across time. True. Yeah. Especially that first hour. First hour, three editions max. But still, I mean, right? when it's all said and done, there was a shitload of hops in the bottom of that. Right, cup. right, right. But, you know, so uh, you take that first hour instead of uh, 20 editions during the first hour. Yeah. You have, um, you know, uh, a third of them. Every at, 20 minutes. You know, you have seven editions at the very beginning. And a seven editions at you know middle in, right. you know in half hour in, and then seven editions uh, you know at an hour. Sean is you know because Sean will like spend two days making the perfect uh, puff pastry or whatever you know, he, or he'll make he'll spend uh, you know 
uh, a week uh, curdling some cream in exactly the right way to make. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, I must say, I've eaten Sean's food and felt like I should have sex with the empty plate afterwards. Yeah. You bowed down. I've to seen me you have sex dinner. with the empty yes, plate. Yes, I, I bowed down and kissed his feet. Uh, if not. Once, more than once, yeah. more than once uh, you know, many times. Uh, so, which is very flattering, by the way. And I th- and I think you know, you know, there's a lot to be said for the process that's involved in these things. And you know, there's something to be said for that. You know, I mean, to me, that's dosing every minute. Yeah, you know, that's. Because it's I mean, this is where you know, too. I, I mean, I, this isn't your standard beer. I mean, you're not going to brew this beer three right. times a month. I mean, right. there's. I mean, right. if you do, you might have an alcohol problem. <laughs> Well, Too much and, of it, know, yes. But, you, you take know, that back. It's like getting okay, a, a, a canvas, and, well, I can slap paint on it and have it painted, have paint on a canvas within five minutes, right? Won't be a Picasso. Right. And, you know, but, you know, take, uh, you know, a year and, you know, microfine brushes and put, you know, a couple of... You see uh, a difference? No, I, I mean, I, uh, you know, uh, I get what uh, you're uh, saying, You know, sure. the finest drop of paint, and you... In the in the grand scheme of things, you do see a difference. There's a huge difference between those two, and those little fine strokes. Maybe you don't identify every little fine stroke, but the overall impression can be uh, significant. So what we're doing is actually for this show, we're going to go 120 minutes for the 120 it minutes. Looks like it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> we're, we're we're only seven minutes away from making it. So uh, I have another good question. If we can right. get one more in with our yeah. seven minutes. Um, Scotes oh, has written in. It's more dry hopping questions, too. We may go 140. Uh-oh. <laughs> we just have to top dogfish. Uh, this is a good question. Uh, since high-gravity beer like this uh, will need to be aged for a little while and hop aroma and flavor drops out over, over time, mm-hmm. is there a benefit to aging the beer for a few months before doing the dry hopping? So instead of dry hopping right after fermentation, maybe you wait until two weeks before serving. Yeah, you make a difference. It's that's an excellent. See, yeah. these, I like this question. People thinking, I yeah. do too. I do. That's a you good know, question. This is this is the type of thing that you know. I don't think I would have thought of. You know, and and and, and why the listeners are are so important to the show, and uh, I think you make a different beer and a hoppier beer, and I think um, you know. The the one thing I would quibble with is that this is a beer for aging. I I bet you know there's people drinking this this Dogfish 120 when it comes right out of the brewery. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, yeah. There's no chance. And it's a different beer, but I mean know, on the label I, I it says ages well. Right. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't drink it that day. Well, and this is the other thing too is is that okay? So if you let the beer sit. For let's say four or six weeks before you started to dry hop it, mm-hmm. really make sure it's clear, everything else, and you start adding that in. And by the time you're done dry hopping and then letting that sit in there even mm-hmm. that much longer, you're going to tie up your conical for you know, a good two three months. Well, well, you're also you know one of the things I like about dry hopping right at the end of you know fermentation or even during fermentation is that any oxygen in the pellets or in the oh, leaf totally. it's all is get absorbed. yeah it, you know it can deal with it better if you're adding that oxygen after everything's done. The yeast is really dormant or past and you know and, and taken out of uh, solution then eh, you might get a more oxidation yeah. i don't think it's a bad idea though i don't think so i, I, think, I think you're you right that careful. you get a different beer i think it's a fascinating idea i yeah. mean what if you dry hopped your beer it's been sitting around for four years right now i think it'd be interesting to taste what came out of there right, right, right. well it is interesting so, too because i've been playing like a lot it. with uh, good idea with, I, I like it yeah 
high alcohol spirits uh, in a neutral flavor and adding that to hops and making hop extracts yeah. mm-hmm. and adding mm-hmm. that into things. Um, it does change. Yeah. All right, Scotes. Good, great question. Great question. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right, Evan. Uh, also in the chat room has a question about. These uh, have all been really good questions. Yeah, they got. They're yeah. really thinking about this beer. Must be because it's a Monday. They're not drinking. <laughs> oh, what's the matter, with these yeah. folks? Could be that. Um, he wants to know about what if we did something like the methods of an ice box with this beer, freeze concentrated. Yeah. So in order to get that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. high gravity. You see what I mean? Instead of doing yeah. it all with yeast right in the beginning, right. Your volume you do is kind of an ice box. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, but would you, you maybe get the profile without all the trouble with the yeast? The only, I, the only problem is, all right, so I think that would work, and, and actually it would kind of resolve the issue with you know making a syrup of the oh, sugar totally. before adding it. But even syrups, you need to be real careful, because that syrup will travel straight. You, you can pour a syrup into a liquid, oh, yeah, it will drop it. straight to the bottom yeah. and flatten out and cover your yeast. So and, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, unless you're going to mix it in, so you, know, you might as well be sprinkling you know granular sugar in there as well as that syrup so i I don't know that that will really help making a syrup now i think about it yeah that's a good point actually yeah yeah uh but uh could be more you know detrimental so um yeah i think paxton's but the ice distilling though it's interesting because i actually took blind pig and i uh I distilled it four times to make uh-huh. uh, a stronger version, and, right. and I used that as a right. cooking medium for oysters. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really interesting, though, because doing that, I lost probably a good, I don't know, probably five-eighths of the volume mm-hmm. from the oh. ice. And I know that you do lose some of the the alcohol as well as some because even right. a, because afterwards the ice, that ice, the ice forms little slivers it does and it was actually a real trip to taste there's, it there's because how much there. you got right. of the right. hop bitterness you in the really ice you really need to let the, let you know, let that ice melt a little bit and then the liquid that runs yeah, down is it really well. but even then like um, how much right. hop like oh, yeah, residue yeah. was in that it's ice. It's trapped in the ice. And well, so I don't know if that would really change the final p- profile. Well, and that's what I was going to say. You're going to end up with, you know, concentrating the sugars, you concentrate the hops, you concentrate, you know, and you eliminate some of the flavor compounds. That ice that you get out is always brown, yeah. you know, with hops, with, uh, you know, melanoidins, with a lot of different things. So it would make a different beer. It, w- it really wouldn't be the, the way to... You, it would and work, get but less. it's, it's going to be a different beer. Yeah. I mean, you know, Icebox is great. Uh, Mike makes a great Icebox. <laughs> uh, but it does but, tend to be a little sweeter than in proportion. Right. Exactly. To the original yeah. beer. Obviously, right. it's going to be more concentrated everything. Right. But it's it's out of balance sweet, I think, the mm-hmm. Icebox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could really reach this beer through ice concentration. No, no, I, I, think, I don't think it would work. No, I don't think so at all. You'd if you're going, trying to clone it. You'd be going the wrong direction. If you're trying to make a great beer, I mean, certainly could do that, but... Right. Trying to clone it, no. no. All right, another question. Uh, Disco Fetus wrote in. Uh, <laughs> Disco Fetus. Was yeast nutrient mixed in to each sugar addition? Only the first five days. So every time you did sugar for the first five days, you also put in yeast nutrient? Yeah, I used some servomyces from my yeast and uh, opened up the capsules because I was worried about them actually dissolving completely. Yeah, they and, won't in a beer. Yeah, so Good. open those up independently, uh, mix it in with the sugar, so that way it was 
fully distilled in mm-hmm. or mixed in. So mm-hmm. that way. So that's one pill every day for five days. You did. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, it's not a cheap beer. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And and one more question. Uh, you guys had mentioned uh, during the show the Crabtree effect, and you mentioned it like we Got all thirty knew. seconds mentioned it all like we knew what it was. Can you explain the Crabtree effect and close the show in thirty seconds? No. It's <laughs> uh, one, you know, one, one basic question. It's essentially, Epic fail. You know, uh, you know the amount of glucose, the amount of oxygen. You know, with oxygen present, the you know. Um, you know, yeast. Uh, you know, yeast is uh, growing and uh, you know uh, fermenting. You know, amount of glucose uh, overrides its uh, certain percentage, and uh, sounds very simple. Yeah, essentially, uh, Chris White told me it never really happens. Okay, and, that's all you, you know, need to know. That <laughs> so, I, so I spent like a you know a day writing up uh, you know. T- 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 <laughs> 500 words in the in the upcoming yeast book and then he and told then you to like, suck it and he was like well <laughs> you know i'm like why are we covering this uh, if it doesn't really happen he goes yeah it doesn't really happen yeah but people are interested well they are he said yeah he said there's lots of proof that it, it never actually really occurs because what happens is the yeast um the yeast are always breaking down the maltose into uh you know the simple sugars so okay it, 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 there's always a high enough concentration to uh, not make it happen. All right. Not only are, uh, 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 is that all the questions from the Two chat. Two hours. But 120 my, minutes. My glasses are empty. So uh, 120 minutes, fellas. Woohoo! <laughs> Good job. Don't you love it when I'm on the show, Justin? <laughs> I do, Pax. It all goes by quick. <laughs> well, and uh, speaking of quick, um, I, I guess that's Casey's in the room. What's Stacy with quick have to do? Oh, get it? I got it. Nah, never mind. No, I don't get it. I, was I don't even get it. I'm tasting. <laughs> and the fact that you get it, <laughs> yeah, or you said it in your own mind, it was y- good. You get it. All right, that was good. All right, <laughs> you can hear the little applause inside Justin's head going. We're gonna add that later. Good show again, everybody. I'll have the uh, room applause <laughs> later on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, so if uh, you're out in Milwaukee, go ahead and uh, make sure you get there next weekend. We're going to be down there. Justin and I, we're going to do a show. Yeah. We're going to do book signing. We're doing a brewing. Unfortunately, sure. Tasty, Put your shirts on. Tasty's not going to be there with us. I'll be but, there in spirit. Uh, he'll be there, there in spirit. He'll be he'll be drinking uh, to go along with us. And just one thing, real quick. And if you, can, this is actually <laughs> on my website. Yeah, this recipe is actually on my website. All right. If people ever Sweet. want to look at it, right. homebrewchef.com. Oh, and a good uh, you know, uh, make sure that uh, you get a chance to check out the Brewing Network store. Uh, we've got uh, shirts, we got books, we got glassware, we got hats, we got all sorts of great stuff in there. And every purchase you make goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network. Keeps these shows going. Keeps them going strong. And, uh, you know, make sure you hit our great sponsor, Northern Brewer. They make this show possible. We love them. You should love them, too. Anyways, until our next show, make sure you're out there. Brew a beer for you. Brew a beer for someone else. And most important of all, brew strong. And often. <laughs>